With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk show. Tonight's topic is an officer and a gentleman. We have a few rules and they are no profanity, no politics, and no racial stuff. And this is not Bible study. My name is Darren Smith, and I'll be your host for the evening, along with my co-host Rodney Turner and Tony Hawkins. If you have something to say, please feel free to do so. Uh, if you prefer to just to listen, that's cool. Just please put your phone on mute so we won't get any backfeed or echoes. All right. The, tonight's topic uh, is an officer and a gentleman. The reason why I call this topic as so, if you guys remember the 1980 movie, 86 movie, uh, with um, it was a it was Richard Gere. He was into Navy, the Navy Academy in uh, in Maine, and Lou Gossip Jr. was the drill sergeant. Ultimately, it was about an officer mistreating um, the the recruit that came to, to to boot camp. And a lot of times, we've seen over the over the last few months, especially, we've seen videos to come across the internet on Facebook on YouTube where you have these officers that are abusing people. Uh, the shots that I've seen, especially that stands out to me, is when a, a police officer tells a guy to go in his car and, and get a and get a gun, I mean, get his license, and when the guy goes to get his license, the police shoots him uh, saying that he was reaching for a gun. You guys are familiar with the uh, the video I'm talking about? Yeah. Anybody seen that video? It was another video where the guy he was just on a he was on top of a woman. It was a white officer on top of a uh, um, a black woman, and he was beating her in the face. Anybody seen that video? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we saw and that. Of course, okay, and of course we got the Michael Brown video. I mean, not video, but well, we got videos of that too. But uh, down in Ferguson, you know, um, all the chaos that's going on down there with the cops mistreating the people and all of that stuff. You guys are familiar with that as well, right? But a lot of times we haven't seen or heard from any of these officers, no explanation. Uh, we don't know if they have families or not. I was in the car the other day with my daughter uh, just yesterday, and I pulled over um, I pulled over because I saw these two, two state troopers talking, and she was scared to death. And I, was, and I got back in the car. I said, what, what's wrong with you? She said, why are you talking to them? I said, well, why wouldn't I talk to them? She said, they're not people. And, you know, in her young mind, that's how she translates, I guess, people with no souls. But, you know, tonight we want to we wanna hear from certain officers or some officers to, you know, that give them a voice, give them life, let people know that they do have souls, they have family, and they do things for a particular reason. And being that the officers or police officers, they're number four uh, according to the Lit, uh, Livestone Foundation, out of the top five uh, people that get divorced, divorce, divorce, I'm sorry, is um, entertainers and athletes. That's self-explanatory. Uh, helping professionals, those are like uh, nursing and people that work in nursing homes and nursing aides. 
best due to their long hours and their inability to leave work at work and, and shortchange their families for the in the process. Hospitality workers, this these are baggage porters, bartending and concierges due to their high levels of stress combined with the little control over their work and uh contributing factors. And law enforcement and military. And that's due to their long deployments, crazy hours and PTSD from scenes from war fields and gruesome crime scenes. And last one on the list is uh, the less educated and low-wage workers. That's pretty much self-explanatory. So, uh, but tonight I want to first, I have a guest, um, I have a couple of guests, matter of fact, but my first guest I would like to talk to, uh, Lieutenant Andrews, I'll let him introduce himself to you guys. Uh, There's certain things that we can't talk about because of his profession uh, and because of who he is. So I'll let um, him, I'll ask the first question. How did you become interested in police work, Lieutenant Andrews. All right. Uh, Darren, thank you very much, first of all, for uh, having me on the show. Uh, I tell you, it's been uh, when I was a kid, when I was young. My dad was a police officer uh, growing up. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I'd see my dad in uniform. Um, when when uh, he was working the evening shift, he worked in the city uh, as a police officer, made it to the rank of captain, um, he'd go to work, jump in a gremlin. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember he'd slap me five, say, Hey, have a good day. And be on his way uh, down the hill, uh, up the street and, uh, head to work. And I remember as a kid just saying, I want to be just like that. I, I, you know, all the, the books I read, I was a, <laughs> uh, this might sound like a little nerdy or something, but I, I was a Hardy boys fan. I read all the Hardy boys books. Okay. I, Adam 12, Chips, uh, you know, uh, okay. I just loved all that stuff. And uh, real, I knew I knew when I was a kid uh, I wanted to be a police officer. I went into college with plans of graduating and, and uh, doing exactly that. And uh, oh, Okay. Did, now, is he um, – well, of course, he's not probably a police officer now, but did he ever get hurt on the job? Or did we uh, familiar any time that he was hurt? No, no. My dad um, – uh, he, he was a police officer 20 years, retired, uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> within a couple weeks, he was working again uh, in security. Uh, no, he never got hurt on the job. Never, I, you know, he was in some dangerous situations. I remember as a, as a teenager, uh, you know, situations where uh, you know things were so uh, serious uh, in the city that uh, he didn't come home for days. I mean, you know, he was he slept in the office. Uh, and continue working. I, you know, I remember that vividly. I just called home. Hey, hey, how's everything going? Uh, but that mm-hmm. was our only uh, contact with him. Uh, you know, it was a volatile time back. He was, he was a police officer in the '60s and '70s. Retired in 1980, oh, okay. I think it was. And uh, you know, every now and then he just had, he had to stay at work and uh, stay at the office. Uh, oh, so so he was an officer in the in the police department. That's right. That's right. Okay, so they don't work like the street cops do. They don't. They're not on the like beating the streets all day. They just mainly uh, controlling everything from the from a, from an office. Make sure. No, every, well, okay. every, well, yeah, that, that's a good question. Every, everybody, uh, every police officer who goes into the police academy comes out and he's working the street. I mean, it's a rare occurrence okay. that you have someone who goes through a police academy and and doesn't hit the street as a patrol officer first thing. Uh, so he had to work his way up. And um, okay, uh, you know, okay. in the, in the seven, virtually, I think he was promoted to captain in 
early 70s, probably 72 or 73, uh, and okay. uh, remained a captain until he retired. Okay. And how, and how long have you been a police officer? Uh, 20 years. Next month, 20 years. 20. Hard to believe it's wow. flown by. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Congrats, Thank bro. You. Yep. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Now, t- tell me about your family. Uh, I'll be happy to. Uh, I have been uh, married for 28 years. Uh, I have a uh, wonderful wife. Uh, met her in college. Uh, we got married when I was 22. Uh, we have two children. My daughter is 23. Uh, my son is 21. Uh, my daughter graduated from college uh, a year ago. She's out on her own now, uh, doing well. Uh, though she still needs a little help from mom and dad to make the bills, but she's uh-huh, doing well. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, my son, yeah, <laughs> my son is uh, you know still in school, uh, kind of you know trying to figure out what he wants to do. Uh, and I'll tell you, I love being a police officer, but I told both my kids early on, no way. No, I do, I don't want this to be an option for you. Uh, it's a it's it's a great job. It's a it's a great career. Uh, it's it's been great for me, but it, it's a dangerous job. And I told mm. him, but now, if my son came to me in a year or two, said dad and said dad, this is what I really want to do, that changes things. But when he was young, and even now, hey, I don't want this to be an option. I want you, there. Plenty of other things you can do. You've got talents and abilities, and uh, I'm hoping that for him. I really am. Okay, well, I'm I'm talking to. I mean, you are one of those straight shooters, and I got gathered that from your your college, your father, uh, the way you were raised, and the amount of time you've been married twenty eight years. More, yep. you know, all these officers that I've spoken with. Um, they're on the opposite side of the fence. So uh, I, I re- first congratulate you for 20 years and and being with the same woman for 28 years mm. and successfully raising your family because that is a rarity. Okay. So, but um, but what kind of work do you do now? Where do you work at now? And what kind of I, do you, what position are you in? Well, I'm I am a uh, lieutenant. You know, again, you, you start. Um, everybody goes through the police academy. They come out as a slick sleeve officer. Uh, running calls in patrol. Uh, I kind of worked my way through the ranks. I'm now a lieutenant. Uh, I oversee uh, a a section that um, uh, works in community policing and uh, school resource. So the officers who report to me are uh, uh, assigned to communities in uh, my jurisdiction. handling uh, issues uh, on the ground, uh, right where things are happening, um, you know, kind of kind of helping uh, communities with uh, establishing uh, crime watch, uh, handling maybe uh, problem residences, uh, trying to keep the peace there, dealing with issues right in uh, their neighborhoods. And then I also have the uh, other officers who report to me are uh, – officers assigned to uh, the schools. Uh, we have an officer assigned to every uh, middle and high school uh, in my area, and uh, oh. and they report to me as well. Uh, so that's okay. my responsibility now. It's a great uh, it's a great position. You know, I've got a lot of face time with community leaders, and uh, uh, I, I really enjoy that. It's it's a it's a good 
place to be. Okay. Well, now I'm going into the harder questions. You know, we got the the, the nice and cloudy stuff out of the way. <laughs> uh, now we we got to go into the the hard stuff now. So uh, the first question I want to ask you: What kind of assignments have you had on your police career? Like the worst assignments that you ever been on? Uh, well, I tell you, I I've loved Darren. I've loved every uh, position I've had. Uh, uh, of course, you start in patrol. Uh, I was uh, assigned from patrol. I went into uh, our criminal investigations division. I was assigned as a detective in the child abuse unit. Absolutely okay. loved it. Uh, I was in there for six and a half years. Uh, I will tell you, it was it was stress filled, uh, but it was. Uh, I tell you what, um, uh, it, it was work well doing. Uh, you know, when when you meet uh, kids who are being abused uh, from age zero to adults who are reporting abuse when they were kids, um, uh, you know, <laughs> justice is important for them. And, uh, uh, you know, I always took that seriously. I loved it. I was promoted after six and a half years. I was promoted uh, back. Uh, I was promoted to the rank of sergeant and uh, was transferred back to the road as a supervisor. And uh, uh, after two years, I was transferred to internal affairs. I was an internal affairs investigator uh, for another two years and then worked in uh, the domestic violence unit uh, for another uh, three years before I was promoted to lieutenant. Uh, And that was four years ago. Uh, And then uh, I have a collateral duty as uh, the commander of the hostage negotiations team. I've been a negotiator for about 10 years. Uh, so I, I, every spot I've been in, I've enjoyed, but I, several in particular have uh, uh, a high amount of stress involved. Uh, they really do. Which one is the, the worst? Would you say? Uh, I think uh, you know I, I I could probably talk about two. Uh, you know, again, I I loved being a detective. I loved working in child abuse, uh, but I'll tell you. Uh, for me personally, I, I don't know if this would be everyone. I, you know, I became a police officer. I was already married, and I already had two children. Uh, so mm-hmm. as, a, as, as a child abuse detective, uh, I, I carried those cases with me. Uh, and, I, and it was a – you don't get off and forget about it. You don't leave that stuff at the office. I was constantly mm-hmm. thinking about other people's kids. Uh, and, uh, you know, how I was going to close a case or how I was going to get justice uh, for this child. Uh, and I, I tell you, it, it can affect you. I, uh, I, I, saw, I, I, I saw a change in myself. I, uh, you know, just you, you have people over, uh, you know, your house is an open door, uh, you know, people come and go. I tell you what, after several years in child abuse, I, I, I really I saw our home becoming more of a fortress because I was I, mm. I wasn't into having people over anymore. I, I saw too many times how families had somebody over and they were calling me saying, "Hey, this guy molested my child." And you know I I hate to think uh, that I became this uh, cynical or untrusting guy, but I tell you what, it, it kind of happens after a while. You know, you see these kids who are. Uh, living with uh, uh, the effects of molestation, and you want to protect your kids as much as possible from that. So, uh, you know, that, my time in child abuse, I tell you, 
and I'll be very honest with you, I, I don't think I've told anybody uh, this, but uh, toward the end, uh, the stress became so great, and I would never request a transfer. I, I knew what I was doing was good work, but I tell you, it became so heavy on me that uh, there was a point where I had to call a counselor and, 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 and say, hey, um, I, yeah, I think I'm really uh, experiencing some uh, uh, work-related stress and, and almost depression over what I'm dealing with. And, I, you know, I never followed. I just asked them questions and hung up the phone, and I never pursued it. I, I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. But, boy, I tell you what, Darren, it really uh, it, it was a lot. It was a lot to, to, uh, to carry. And um, uh, I don't regret that time. Uh, boy, I had some cases. Uh, that uh, I will remember forever with a lot of satisfaction being able to close uh, uh, some of the cases I was able to close. But, uh, would, you, I, would, you, would you would you be uh, would you be able to share like a, just like one of the worst cases, or would it bring too much hardship, or you can't you can't share that with us? Uh, I, well, I, probably I probably in general. I don't know that I would go into uh, a lot of detail, but I'll tell you. Uh, just generally, you know, seeing a, a dead four-year-old, uh, that's tough. You know, you're standing in a hospital just looking at this child who's, I guess at the time she was probably two years younger than my daughter. Uh, yeah. I, you you never forget that. You never forget it. Uh, uh, you know, handling a case involving a five-year-old where this guy who's like a a grandfather figure, not related but like a grandfather figure would come over to the house, play with the kids, uh, and one evening in the bathtub, the five-year-old tells her mom, hey, Mr. So-and-so stuck his finger in me. And that child going to the hospital and, and having like you know, da- you know, a damaged uh, private area uh, that was obviously right. penetrated by, by a man. You know, or even a 13-year-old girl whose own biological dad had sex with her. I, that is, that, that's a leap for me. I, you know, to think that even happens, I, you've got to be kidding. But, but it does. And I, you know, I mean, those kind of things, I, you, you just never forget. I, you know, even uh, you know, infants who are shaken to death or uh, you know, I still keep in touch with... Uh, uh, some families uh, who have whose children unfortunately are permanently disabled because of uh, oh. abuse they uh, uh, experienced by a babysitter or by uh, mom's boyfriend or, or something like that. So uh, you know, I mean, those kind of things. Again, you just carry that stuff with you, and that's that's um, uh, that's that's tough. Again, Derek J. was. I could talk all night. The uh, interviewing uh, a four-year-old boy whose mom was just murdered by his dad, uh, and you know because because we're trained to interview children, and there's certain ways to do that. They call on the child abuse detective to come in, and mm-hmm. uh, hey, there's three kids here. You take one. You take one. Uh, well, maybe DSS take another, and. Uh, Find out what you know, what you can about about what happened. I mean, you know, those things you never forget. 
And and I won't. I, I, these are things I'll, I'll live with. But uh, you know, again, I can at least look back and uh, be happy with uh, a lot of what I what I was able to accomplish during that time. So, do, do, well, first, do anybody else have any questions for Lieutenant Andrews? Anybody want to ask him any questions? Because uh, you know, um, we see only a piece of it. We only see, we only hear about the part that they want to let us hear about on the news. We don't hear, you know, what you just said. Yeah. And and and, and the, the most important part is you go from that to, let's say, a call of a domestic violence. You said you work on a domestic um, squad as well. You said you work internal affairs, right? Uh, child abuse, and what was the other one? Uh... Let's see, uh, patrol in order, patrol officer, child abuse detective. Uh, I was in patrol again as a sergeant, uh, internal affairs for two years, uh, and then uh, domestic violence as the supervisor of the unit, and, and currently the, the position I'm in as lieutenant. And I'm also okay, so, a, a negotiator. Okay, so, so you've been... Can I ask him a question been, real quick, D? Go, go ahead, go ahead, anybody. And this is a, this is a kind of a little bit off the topic, but I'm just curious uh, to your answer to this question. When it came to when you were working with the um, the child abuse, um, the the t- child abuse type of uh, things, did you, in your own personal uh, opinion and personal observation, were there different types of crimes against children uh, with the different types of economical uh, uh, statuses? Uh, no, sir. I'll tell you what. Uh, in child abuse and in uh, domestic violence, uh, it, it crosses every boundary uh, of uh, race, wealth, uh, religion, either, even. I, you know, I, I, it, it's, it came as a surprise to me because, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the church. I remember being shocked. Uh, early on in, in my patrol career, when I'd respond to a domestic uh, call, uh, husband apparently reportedly assaulted the wife, and there's, there's a picture of Jesus on the wall or a Bible on the coffee table, or, or you know, he's wearing a shirt that says, has some religious symbol or saying on it. I, that took me by surprise. I, I wasn't used to that at all. Uh, so, no, I, I, I saw no uh, difference. Uh, it, it happened in wealthy homes, uh, middle-class homes, uh, 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 lower-middle-class and poor uh, equally. Okay. Anybody else? So when you went home... After seeing certain things, could you first of all could you talk to your wife about certain things, or you could you had to come home and pretend like, you know, um, home is home and work is work. Uh, you know, Darren, as much as possible. Uh, that that's uh, that's how I tried to separate uh, work and home. There's certain things you don't want to talk about. I I know my wife. I think she would carry it. <laughs> with her as much as I uh, did. Um, She knows a little bit about uh, what I experienced. Um, I did not go into a lot of detail with her. Uh, 
I, you know, I, what I would try to do as, as much as possible, you know, I can remember being in an interview room, uh, interviewing child molesters or uh, suspects and getting a confession, typing it out, finishing up, pretty much clo- closing the case and then walking out. It's, you know, midnight, one o'clock. Uh, I get off at 11. Uh, but, you know, midnight one, I'm walking out of the uh, uh, the office and I would do as much as I possibly could between the time I got in my car to the time I got home to decompress. And, mm. uh, you know, still, you know, you, it, maybe it's a half hour uh, to 45 minutes home. Uh, you know, I, I'd get home uh, and I, I'd have to sit down and turn on maybe Sports Center or something because I needed a little more time to unwind before I went to bed. And, you know, this is uh, driving home after, after, after these types of interviews and then going home and you know, kissing my daughter who's sound asleep in her bed, kissing my son who's sound asleep in his bed, and, uh, uh, and then eventually getting into my own bed next to my wife and, uh, and trying to go to sleep and pretend like, hey, it's you know, just a normal day at the office. When, and it was... It's just a lot of stuff you're carrying around with you, you know. So, so how did you deal with that stress? I mean, you you said you picked up the phone and called a counselor. Are they readily available for officers in in in, in, the, in your job fields that you have? Yes, yes, and I think most uh, most agencies do. I didn't give my name. I didn't, you know, I just I had the number. The number's available to everybody. Uh, I made the call again. Asked a few questions. Um, and and I, I just, you know, I, I I probably did what most police officers do. Uh, you know, I can tough it out. I'll be okay. And and thankfully I was. Uh, you know, I, I was able to work through it. Uh, I get maybe talking about it now to you. I'm sure there's residual effects. But uh, I, you know, I I I got through that time. Uh, and again, I look back on it uh, uh, with with good memories of what I was able to accomplish during that time and not dwelling on a lot of the stress and the, uh, cause you really, you, you really do. I'm telling you, you carry it with you. You carry it with do, you. Do, do you, have you worked with, um, some officers that one so fortunate to, uh, not be able to go through it and, and, you know, like you have, and they went on the other side. You know that, um, I, I, I don't know that I can answer that uh, uh, w- with a clear answer. I, I don't know of anyone in my agency that uh, uh, you couldn't handle it to the point where they had some type of nervous breakdown. Uh, I am okay. aware of uh, maybe a, a sister agency not far away uh, who experienced the suicide of one of their officers. And I, I never heard... Uh, exactly what occurred, but uh, or you know, or the reason. But I suspect that you know it was stress-related and you know, possibly more family-related even uh, due to whatever was going on in his career. So I mean, those things mm-hmm. do happen certainly, and uh, thankfully, I'm not aware of any firsthand uh, incidents like that. Okay, well. You're certainly an officer and a gentleman, and I just wanted to know how did you? It was a secret to your successful marriage, um, which you just heard the stats of the five um, 
in in five jobs or five categories where people are most likely to get a divorce, and you're in one of those five, but you're married for 20. What was the secret to your success with being on a stressful job or yeah. successfully in being married? Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, for I, I know that those stats are true. Uh, I know they're real. Uh, unfortunately, I do see that here. Uh, the, the divorce rate is very high. And I'll tell you, one of the things I, I, I've told guys is if you can get to your retirement date with your health, your sanity, and your family intact, you did pretty well uh, uh, if you have all three of those. I, you know, honest, I, I, I attribute uh, my marriage, and I, I'm so thankful for the, for the wife I have, uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I uh, attribute it to God's grace, first of all. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think of, um, uh, you know, there's a quote I heard, I think it was by Billy Graham's wife. She said, uh, a successful marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's important. You know, we go into this, we're not perfect people when we get married. And, you know, my wife and I met in college. We got married right out of college. I didn't become a police officer immediately, so we had eight years uh, to uh, really enjoy one another in regular work before I actually became a police officer and started shift work and seeing dead children and you know, dealing with molestation and, and everything that comes with being a police officer. Uh, so I think that eight years, too, is helpful because, uh, you know, young couples, it, it, I think it can be a, uh, a harder road. But, uh, you know, I have a wonderful wife. Uh, we uh, partner together in uh, uh, kind of discipling younger couples and, and helping. Uh, you know, we, have, we pray together. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we talk. Married men don't talk. I, I I believe that too. I see that a lot. You right. gotta communicate as much as possible, man. You gotta keep those communication right. that communication uh between you uh open all the time. Yeah, and I have a, I have another question for you, Luke. Anybody else got any questions? I don't wanna hog the questions with Lieutenant Andrews. Uh if anybody else got anything to say, just interrupt us. Um but I, I also have a question. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a myth or is it a stigma, or if it's a problem that just black people see. But have you, I mean, you guys got a code. It's a code. Not, and when I say you guys, I mean officers among officers. You guys got a code, watch your brother in blue or watch their back, right? But I don't know if it's a myth or not, but isn't that the general consensus that you guys watch each other's back out there? Uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, the thought of... Um uh, you know the thin blue line, uh, and uh, um, yeah, like not not ratting on a fellow police officer. I I think uh, that that's certainly uh, out there, uh, and uh, certainly it's it's uh, uh, probably quite true uh, in places. Um, I, you know, I, I can tell you, uh, like, like I said earlier, I spent two years in internal affairs and as, as an investigator. Um, you know, if somebody did something wrong, I wasn't turning my eye. Uh, I, you know, I, I believe 
and I preach integrity uh, to the people who work for me. And, uh, I, you know, if you, if a police officer lies, he can't be the police anymore. He just can't. So if a police officer steals, you can't trust him anymore. If, you know, mm. so, uh, you know, I, yeah, is that uh, out there? Is that uh, something that, um, yeah, I, I know it's out there, uh, but I don't like it. I, I don't like it. Now, have you ever seen a case, some cases, or heard about some cases that that was kind of like, okay, the the police did something to somebody of color, and it was like a, it was a racism, a racist issue, or anything like that? Uh, let's see. Have I like seen? Have I witnessed this happen with my own eyes? No. Uh, am I aware of allegations of this happening, even in our own department? Like perhaps a, uh, a, a maybe a Maybe on a traffic stop, somebody has issued a citation, uh, and it's an African-American driver, and they call and say, hey, I was pulled over for uh, driving while black, and he used a racial epithet when he referred to me, something like that. Has that ever happened? Yes. Thankfully, mm-hmm. we have cameras in our cars. And uh, in any case like that of which I'm aware, uh, we always go to videotape. And we even invite the complainant, the person making the complaint in, to watch the tape with us. And uh, that that tape captures audio and visual, and the officer has always been exonerated. At least, and I'm telling you, in my time in internal affairs, the officer was always exonerated. It, it never happened like uh, like the complainant said. Now, there weren't a lot of complaints like that, but but there were a few. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, we had the tape that said he never said it. Oh, okay. You know, right. I thought he said it. Okay, well, that's that's fine. I, you know, I'm not going to take you. I'm not going to call you a liar. I've, I, I just appreciate that we could clear this up, and you understand that it didn't happen, and that it, and that it's a wash. So. Oh, okay. Well, I've been. Um, I just bought. I I just wrecked my my truck going to work. I hit a deer, and it was about a month ago. And never, I was hardly ever stopped by the police because I try to follow the laws. I don't feel like paying anybody's tickets. I got enough red light tickets I got to pay off already. <laughs> but I got stopped. I, I, I purchased a 750 BMW. And Ike, I want to ask you the same question. Ike, you on the phone? Yeah. Okay. Um, for in the last four months, uh, I've been stopped four times. Uh, by a police officer, and it was just that I fit a category, I, I fit a description, or and I did, and someone someone else told me that it was because because they they uh, have a friend that has a XJR Jaguar, and he said he he said man you're about to get stopped all the time. I said oh okay you just whatever whatever, uh, and he's also um, a, black, a black guy. Ike is also black, and he has a uh, what kind of um, car you have, Ike? I got a Mercedes S Class. Hmm. Okay, have you been have you experienced the same thing, or is it just me, or just to uh, just by me driving a long distance that I got to drive to go to work? Have you ever been stopped for just that? Uh, I I have not experienced it. Okay, great. Well, yeah, it's it's, it's maybe it's just the timing, maybe it's the distance that I have to go to work. I drive from Brandywine to Dogrim, but I always ask them, why did I get pulled over? 
and he said you fit a description or somebody was in the area that somebody was taking this. And I, I, I mean, as long as I was nice and polite to the guy, he was always, you know, always, okay, well, you know, you now, have a Not nice there, not. Now, I have experienced it while driving other cars, uh, especially when I was in the military. Uh, you know, I've had the dogs, you know. And, you know, you ask, okay, well, uh, <laughs> what's what's going on? Oh, you fit a description. Uh, we got a lot of drug runners taking this route, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they're just doing their due business. Now, like you said, I've always been nice because I don't want to get arrested, shot, or anything else. So right. <laughs> I haven't had any problems. But uh, okay. since, since the car that I have now, uh, thank fortunately, I, ha- I haven't been stopped. Oh, okay, great. Okay. Uh, anybody else got any questions for, for, for Lieutenant Andrews? I got Got some other questions to ask him. I would like to ask him. Um, like to ask him uh, we, hey, we Darren, just shows. one thing before so, you change the subject. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, they do stop BMWs a lot. I see, you know, most of the time when I see a cop pull somebody over with a fancy car, it's a BMW. I don't know why. I think it just draws okay. them. Oh, uh, okay. You know, you don't know why that is. No, nah, I think it's just the car itself. If they see a black man in a BMW, they they <laughs> they generally pull them. You fit the really? description. So okay, let me tell you. This uh, is can I can I say something, Darren? I uh, listen, yes, I ahead, I can't speak to any of that. I I've never had that experience. Uh, I I'm and I'm sorry you have, uh, but I I can tell you I can tell you very honestly. I've I've work with a lot of police officers. I've never heard a single police officer say, boy, I'm looking forward to pulling over uh, a minority driver in a nice car. I, I, I've oh. never heard anybody say that. I'm telling you, I, I, you know, and I, I'm very sorry you've had that experience. I, police officers cannot pull somebody over without a reason. Uh, and if they're doing it, uh, it needs to be addressed. Uh, but I've never – does it happen? I'm sure it does, and uh, I, I hate that that is probably true. But I can't speak to any of that. I can only say I've never heard any police officer say, I want to pull somebody over today uh, who is a minority who's driving a nice car. I've never heard a single police officer say, boy, I hope I shoot somebody today. That uh, that that has never happened. Uh, and uh, so you know, it it, it bothers me that uh, you know that you know there's that that thought that you driving while black is is real to people. I uh, I hate that. Well, well one thing honestly, about, go ahead. Honestly, go ahead, it Carl. happens quite frequently over here where I live, especially the young black kids that be driving. Well, why don't hey first introduce yourself so we won't think that you're you're just speaking out of. Oh, okay, you know. okay. Uh, my name is Tyrone. I'm in law enforcement also, and um, how many years you have on the force? Oh, actually, I'm retired now. I I put in 25, a little over 25 years, 25 years, four months, six days. Congratulations, Tyrone. Thank you. Were you were you the same type of uh, police officer that? um, No, no, I I was in corrections. I worked in corrections from uh, 82 to uh, 2008. I what worked at the, the D.C. I mean, jail. 
Okay, DC Jail. What is the difference between um, Andrew's position and the correction? The correction is just like one work inside the jail and one work on the street, or uh, it's a big difference. Believe me, it's a big difference. Uh, police officers lock them up, send them to the jail, and we house them and keep them. So you have to deal with that personality, you know, over and over again every day. Yeah, for as long oh. as they're there. So it's a different type of stress, you know what I'm saying? Okay, Tyrone, now he, I'm sorry to cut you off, I'll let you say what you have. But he, uh, Lieutenant Andrews, sends these child molester guys, let's say if he sent a child molester to the, to the jail. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's a myth or not, okay? I'm just asking because I've, these are things that we hear that, you know, I'm not going to to find out, but we hear that the child molesters get the worst of it, and and they're they're let known to the other inmates that hey, here's a child molester right here, y'all go for it. Is that true, or how do they get that information on the inside of the jail? Well, actually, everybody read newspaper. You know what I'm saying? They see different cases on TV. You know, personalities, all those guys that you read in the paper, that you see on TV, that get caught, they all are sent to the D.C. jail in the D.C. area. So they come in basically already knowing, you know. But what they do is when they come in, they um, they get on special statuses so they don't have to deal with the general population, you know, which you call PC, protective custody. They get locked okay. down, so they only come out by themselves or, you know, with our officer escorts. All for the, for the next 20, 10, 15, 20 years that they're in jail? Oh, yeah. They, that status stays with them. Some of them come from the courts like that with, with the status on them, you know, protective custody or special handling or, you know, administrative segregation. That means you can't. Being the general population, you have to be separated from them at all times, the whole time you're in the system. And we paying for all that. Oh, yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's the dollars at work. <laughs> yeah, Darren, i tell you what. I respect the work that corrections officers do because one, of uh, one of the advantages as a police officer is when you take somebody to the jail, you get to leave. The bad mm-hmm. guy doesn't but neither does the correctional officer. And that is a tough job being locked up with those guys. I, I respect me. the job they do. Believe me, being locked up, that's exactly what you are. And I was yep. locked up for over 25 years in cell blocks with convicts. Yep. Well, that's an easy I mean, job. Everybody can't do it. That, you're right. You're exactly right. And I tell you, it's a dangerous job, too, because those guys will take any opportunity they can to... Uh, Correct. Ever, well, I mean, it seems like y'all stresses are different. It seems like, you know, yours is a more of a mental stress, Lieutenant Andrews, and Tyrone being a correctional officer, he, he like, have to watch his back all the time. Have, have you ever been in any kind of incidents with the uh, the inmates, like, while you were, um, like, while you was in on, on your regular guard duty? Have anybody ever tried to attack you or something like that? Um, numerous occasions. You have to watch it back at all times. 
actually you're there, you know, you're paid to watch them and, and keep them safe, you know. But you definitely, you get all kinds. You get crazies in there, you know what I'm saying? So you have to have the proper training to deal with them people. You have to have mental health training. You have to, you know, have a, 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 a CPR training. You, you need so many different trainings just to deal with these people on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Now, and then let me ask Lieutenant Andrews, based on what Tyrone just said, and based on what you told us about your your job and, and the things that you had to deal with, and you come home to your wife, have your wife ever wanted to leave you or just wanted you to leave your job? I'm going to ask you the same question in a second, Tyrone. I want to know from uh, Lieutenant Andrews, have your wife just said, you know what, I see the effect that it's having on your mind, uh, how you're treating the kids or how you're speaking to me or, you know, I don't want you to be a police officer anymore. Have that ever happened? Uh, you know, a, a threat to leave, that has never happened. Those words have never uh, come out of her mind, now, if I, uh, not come out of her mouth. Now, if I were to, to go home today and say, hey, you know what, honey, I'm, I think I'm going to retire. I'm I'm done being a police officer. I think she'd probably jump for joy. <laughs> okay. But, okay. Uh, you know, I, I when I was I remember here. My dad used to say when I was a kid, "Your job comes first. Your job comes first. Your job comes first. Because if you don't have a job, you can't put a roof over your family's head. You can't put food on your family's table. You can't support uh, the work of the church ministry. Your job has to come first. And I used to fight that there. And I thought that is crazy. And I still do. I remember thinking to myself, you know, if my job came between me and my wife, uh, my my job's going. Thankfully, I haven't had to make that choice because uh, I, I do love what I do. Uh, uh, yeah, would my wife love for me to uh, do something different uh, so that I'm safe? Sure, she would. But you know, she's never made an ultimatum. Hey, you need to quit that job. Uh, or I'm leaving. Nothing. That's that's never happened. Uh, I'm hey, happy okay. that. Hey, Lieutenant. Um, um, I, I just got a question. Did do you think that? And nothing against your father, um, but do you think that was uh, necessarily um, good advice, or do you think it was bad advice? No, no. You know, like I said, I, I, I fought against that. I, you know, that mindset. I understand. I understand where my dad was coming from. Uh, you know, his upbringing was very different from my own. I, you know, I had my dad who uh, went to work every day, police officer, uh, solid moral guy. Uh, I had a mom who stayed home and raised us. My dad was raised in a foster home. You know, he didn't have, you know, his dad left his family, so he didn't even know his dad. Uh, you know, so very different for him. He, he, for, for, for my dad, it was you know, working at a very young age, probably 13, 14, 15 years old, uh, on a milk truck, uh, you know, living in a foster home, joining the military, uh, and then becoming a police officer. That's very different from the life that he gave me and my brothers. Um, uh, and again, that's God's grace, and I, I just uh, uh, thank my dad quite a lot for that. But I, I think that's where that thought process came from, uh, and mm. I, I, could, I would not let that trickle down to me. I, I understand, again, I understand where it came from, but now I don't think that's good advice for anybody. Right now, now Tyrone, you since you've been out, I've talked to a guy. I was about to interview a guy 
that worked in Lorton Prison. Have you guys ever heard of Lorton Prison? I've heard of Lorton. Have you, Tyrone? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was... Okay, so so this guy, he declined... Uh, I was I was in the middle of pre-interviewing him, and he declined you at the end of our session. The dude broke down on the phone because of some things that he seen in there. And I just asked him the question, well, what kind of, would you be able to explain to me some of the worst things you've seen? And the guy broke down, and he said, you know, I, I can't do this interview, and he hung up on me. So his, and he was a, a correctional officer. So um, I didn't, I was like, what could this guy have seen? And he was married. I, I did get some information. He was married like three times, and and it all ended in a divorce. And, um, and it's not fair for me to pretty much tell everything, but uh, he, he basically told me without telling me that things in these prisons go on that he didn't, that, that brought up some bad memories. So I'm going to ask you, Tyrone, have this ever came between a time, has this affected you any kind of way where what you saw at in prison that you you really couldn't take what you saw, it was on your mind for a long time? I've seen a lot of situations in the prison system, and I can understand where he's coming from, especially down at Lorton. Almost anything goes down at Lorton. They did a whole lot. They used to send bodies up, Hellevac bodies up to the D.C. General Hospital on a regular basis. So I can imagine what he's seen, you know, what he had to deal with. But at the D.C. jail, it was just a little different. We kept it a little tighter. You know, there was a cell for everybody. You could lock everybody down. Unlike at Lorton, it was just open day. You know, the inmates was out there, and you was with them. So I'm sure you had to deal with a lot of strenuous situations. But personally, I kept my personal life, my home life, separated from my work life, you know. When I went to work, you know, I was correctional officer, but I left it there when I left the job. You know, at you know my best ability, I tried to leave it all at work. And um, I, the problems I had at the job basically was <laughs> supervisor job, you know, supervisor problems. It wasn't really inmate problems, but I've seen a lot and I've dealt with a lot. Over the years, over 25 years, you get to deal with a whole lot. And the hardest part of the job is just dealing with personalities, you know, and coworkers that don't want to work <laughs> and supervisors mm-hmm. that think they know everything. But that's that's all <laughs> so part what, of the job. So what's, what's the worst thing you've experienced at work with, with inmates? Um... There was a period of time when they was rioting every day, you know, and you got to come in, suit up, and put them back, so to speak, you know. And they did this constantly for like two weeks. Every day I went to work, I had before, you know, even before I went to roll call to get the information of the day, I had to go suit up and put a block back, you know, before I could even go to my regular job, to my regular cell block. And mm. we had to lock the entire jail down, you know, oh. just to get some order for about a week. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But the problem so, with that is the D.C. Mm-hmm. jail was built for 1,356 convicts. We was pushing about 2,500 at the time. So it's, it's you don't really have a place to lock everybody down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it gets rough. That overcrowding, it's one of the worst things in the jail when you got to deal with people and you can't lock everybody down. But like I said, dealing with riot situations, that was probably the worst because, you know, you're scared to death. <laughs> you got to go right, right. and you got to fight, man, you know, basically fight even before you can, you know, get to your regular post. Right. Now, Lieutenant Andrews, now, in, in your in your job, in your position, did it ever, and I'm going to ask you this too, uh, Tyrone, have you ever went from one case to another with the previous case on your mind and it affected your behavior on that case that was, like, lighter than the last? Um... I don't know that I can think of a specific case or an investigation. I, uh, I, I tell you, I do. I, I can think of instances, and in a particular incident, instance where uh, uh, I was affected by a previous uh, case, uh, and that was on the scene of a negotiation, where uh, uh, this this guy. Uh, found out his wife had shot, uh, or pardon me, had found out his wife had an affair, so he went and shot the boyfriend. Uh, and then he holed up in his house in a barricade situation. Uh, and I was called to um, uh, negotiate uh, with this guy, get him to, to surrender himself. And uh, on the scene, uh, before I made contact with him, uh, one of the detectives on the scene uh, said, hey, I just saw in the paper today you're getting sued for $20 million. And I said, what? <laughs> and I, I had no knowledge of it. I hadn't been served with anything. But it was related to a previous negotiation where uh, I was trying to talk this guy out of his residence, and I won't give any specifics to the case, except that uh, he came out with a, a gun uh, and bore down on a police officer ready to shoot, and a sniper shot and killed him. And the family ended up suing me and uh, several other negotiators. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about it. And here I was getting ready to talk to another guy on the phone. I will tell you, I was on the phone with that guy for about eight hours that night. And uh, it, all I could think of was, I just, I'm, I'm getting sued. I've got to mm. get this guy out, and he's got to live. And I, you know, I, I, I did not handle it well. I did some things during that negotiation I've never done before. I just, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it, and, and I mean, and I, I don't was, mean to laugh. You know, I just want to make because that. You you thinking about twenty million dollars in the back of your mind? I know you probably like, man. Hold on, I'm not gonna get sued for forty million. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I, so, I, and thankfully, what, what thankfully, it got do? thrown out. It, it it got thrown out. Thankfully, okay. Uh, okay. Darren, we you know uh, a judge saw it our way. We were not at fault. We did nothing wrong. Um, 
I, I'm thankful you never know sometimes uh, what might happen in the court system, uh, especially in civil lawsuits. But uh, you know, we were protected, and, and uh, they ended up throwing the case out. But, yeah, I tell you, there were some things, you know, I I don't know. It, it was It was poor, and I hate thinking about it. I can't believe I kind of lost my head during that one. Try just praying this guy would come out of the house so so that uh, nothing like that would happen again. So and he did eventually come out of the house, thankfully after about eight hours. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you said earlier you was a Christian, and so have you ever found yourself in any compromising positions, uh, being a Christian, dealing with law lawbreakers, or Yo, Darren, you know, that- have you ever tried? Yeah, you know, that, that's a good question, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, uh, I'll be very honest with you. The one thing I really had to um, uh, kind of talk myself through, I, I don't know how, how better to describe it. it you know, when you're interviewing um, suspects, child molesters, uh, someone who's killed a child with his hands, uh, you know, anything. Uh, I realize the uh, the benefit of not telling the whole truth. Um, I, and I, do, I mean, you know, uh, there are times when you're actually lying to somebody uh, when you're talking to them uh, in an interview room. Uh, uh, for example. Um, Interviewing a guy uh, who uh, raped uh, a teenage girl and uh, telling him, uh, hey, look, you've seen CSI. You know what we can do. Uh, (laughs) I I have uh, semen. I have I have physical evidence. Let me let me leave it at that. I have physical evidence, and I'm going to get it tested. And you know who it's going to come back to, and so mm. do I. I don't have any physical evidence. I have nothing, but I'm I'm working to get justice for this guy for for this kid. And uh, uh, hey, listen, if he didn't do it. He's not going to say, yeah, it's mine. But it feels good when a guy says, yeah, it's mine, I did it, I'm sorry, uh, and he gives you a confession. And, and I, that's, that, that was the big thing I had to wrestle through. I, you know, am I right? Is it, and, and I'll tell you, I, I, you know, if, if you don't mind my saying, the, I justified it by thinking about uh, you know, in the Bible where King David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. And when... Right. Uh, Nathan the prophet uh, confronted right. him. He didn't tell him the truth. He told him a story about somebody else who had a one sheep, and somebody else stole that sheep. And David said, "I'm going to get that guy." And Nathan pounced on him right then. And that, that's how I—that's how I justified it. That's how I said, "You know what? I, I'm okay here. I think biblically, I'm okay here, and I can do this with a clear conscience." And uh, and that's you know that's how it uh, uh, helped me through that. But uh, it took me a little bit of time to uh, really feel good about that. Well, I, I've seen where um, where guys they will keep 
interrogating them and not giving them food and not letting them go to sleep and until they get the um get the, the confession so is it i'm not saying you did that or that's what happened you just can't you kind of fishing you just explained you're just pretty much fishing but does that go on when people um uh give them sleep deprivation and starve and and just keep asking them asking them asking them sitting a good cop good cop bad cop does that happen all the time Darren, it definitely listen it, it does happen uh um, i i have not i again i've not seen that personally in my own agency but i've i've seen i know it happens because i've i you know I, there's an excellent book there's an excellent book by john grisham called the innocent man it's a good it's a good example of exactly what you're talking about. You know, 2020 does stories about this all the time, especially you teenage suspects and, and uh, hey, you can go to the bathroom once you tell me right. Uh, right. you did this. That is so – I'm not going to excuse the officers by any means. I understand the pressure they're under trying to close cases, but that is so wrong. And uh, I, I, uh, it, it just makes me sick. Look, we all want to close cases, but we don't want to put an innocent person in jail. That I I could not live with that. So, uh, yeah, does it go on? I know it goes on because I've I've read about cases exactly like that. Uh, I I will not do that. I, you know, as a matter of fact, we we uh, when I was in CID and I know we still do this, we had something on the door, uh, and uh, you know, a piece of paper, and it would have time we went in. Uh, at time the detective stepped out, uh, so the suspect was alone, time somebody else might have gone in, uh, offered him uh, water, uh, suspect uh, accepted the water, gave it to him at whatever time. You, you document everything. Hey, can I get you some uh, 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 food? You want, want me to I'll, – I'll have a detective run to McDonald's. You know, 544 uh, brought McDonald's Big Mac to suspect you – know, you document all that because you need to avoid that. Man, that's not that doesn't fly very well. It doesn't look good. It, it does not pass. So, and so to your recollection, to your recollection, you have never sent, or you don't believe you never sent the innocent person to prison. No, no. Oh, I, I don't know how I could live. I, Darren, I'm serious, man. I, look, yeah. I want to close cases, but I don't want to send an innocent person to jail, and I. You know, I, I think of my own son. I think of my son. How do, I, how do I want someone to treat my son if he were in trouble? And thankfully, he's been a good kid. Uh, but right. I don't want to send somebody's son or daughter uh, to jail uh, if they didn't do something. I got, I'd right. be convinced, you know? Hey, I, so I got a child. Go ahead, go ahead, Mal. I, I got a quick question uh, for you, Lieutenant. Um, psychologically, um, when you were explaining earlier about the um, the, uh, uh, the people who were abusing children, and just the way you were explaining it, it sounded to me like that must be really horrible to have to deal with those type of people that have those type of issues that they would harm their own children like that or harm other people's children like that. And it seems to me, after a while, you would probably just get sick and tired of suspects. How do you separate uh, a person that you believe to be a suspect but not proven guilty? How do you keep from lumping him into that group 
after you after so you know dealing with so many suspects and so much scum, a person sitting in front of and sitting in front of you that is suspected of something, how do you keep in your mind that he's not guilty yet and not treat him as if he's a as as if he's guilty? Uh, I tell you, that's an excellent question. Uh, one of the things I, first of all, I going into an interview room, uh, it was, you've got to take your personal feelings out of it as much as possible. I, you know, I, I'm going in and I'm seeking justice for this child. Uh, I'm not going in for my own sake. Uh, but this is somebody who's accused of a horrible crime. Uh, I need to be on my A game uh, in terms of attentiveness. I, you know, I need to pay attention to everything he says, everything he does. Uh, you know, certain things you look for in in, in the way they uh, may say something, uh, and it, you know, you, you jump on something they say. Hey, that didn't really sound right, and you kind of delve into certain things to get explanation. Uh, or you know further information uh you know if they if they give you a lot of story and then gloss over the actual incident something's wrong there uh you you want to really hit on uh, what was said and and you kind of get a a feel especially if you throw out some of those fishing lines you know with with a, a, an untruth on it and he uh you know he bites on it it's, it's like hey I don't. An innocent person's not going to jump on that. You know. You know what I mean. Uh, and I'll tell you what. In my experience, anybody who came in an interview room and told me, "I swear on my mother's grave," or "I swear on a stack of Bibles," they ended. I didn't automatically think they were guilty, but in the back of my mind, that was a that was a cue that hey, there's there's a tick against them because everybody in my experience has been guilty when they say that, and it, it ran true. Uh-huh. It really did. Uh, what about you, you, you take that personal anger out of it because, yeah, could could you dress up in a bunny suit and just beat them to a pulp? Uh, I, I, I'd be, be a crime to do it. Uh, but, you know, some of these people you think, well, that might be what they deserve. I didn't think I didn't want to think like that. I want, I want to go in. I mean, this is a this is important stuff and I don't want to mess this up. So. You kind of t- you try to take the emotion out of it as much as possible, and you're just going for the confession because sometimes that's all you're going to get is a confession. And you treat them well. Do, do do I think there are people who got away with it because I couldn't get a confession? Without a doubt, N- no question. There are people who walked out. I, I can think of a guy right now. I see his face, and I know he did it. I know he did it. I couldn't prove it. I had nothing. Uh, he wouldn't come off it, and I had to let him go. I know for a fact he did it because I got a call from a detective in another state saying, hey, this guy moved here, uh, and uh, uh, we got we got him for uh, molesting his daughter. Same daughter that I was investigating for. Mm. He was only five or six at the time. The biological dad, and uh, I couldn't get him. I, I could not get him. But somebody else got him, and I'm, I, my only regret is I didn't get him to stop him from doing it to his to his own daughter for another couple of years before somebody else. What, what about the people that ask for lawyers and won't talk to you? Do you assume they're guilty? 
no, well, you can't. Well, no. I mean, do you wrestle with? Gee, I wonder why is that? Uh, yeah, of course. But uh, you know, people have a right to an attorney, and uh, you know, I, it's it's actually a smart move. <laughs> You know, if you want to stay out of trouble. If you were if you were in that situation, would you ask for an attorney? If I were in that situation, if somebody said, Hey, you, hey, Andrews, uh you're a suspect in a uh sexual child abuse, uh I would answer their questions, but yeah, I'd probably have an attorney with me. I wouldn't hide behind an attorney and not answer the questions. Uh I'd probably take my attorney uh and answer the questions 'cause I know I'm not guilty. I am 100% not guilty. Now, you ask me if my son, if that were my son, um, I, I'd, I'd say ask for an attorney and come talk to me. We have some talking to do. <laughs> hey, so. Lieutenant, I got, I, got a, I got a question for you. and uh, I guess um, I want a confession out of you. And you sound very articulate and composed and... Um, Great career, you know. I'm sure you have a happy marriage, but is there it, what what is that one thing that you have the biggest struggle with with talking to your wife, and not work related, but more on the marriage tip? You know, what's that one subject that you know maybe you're not as articulate, as not as sure footed that you would like when it comes to communicating with your wife specifically? Oh, gee. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm serious. I'm, I might have to. Sit, I, I might be here a while trying to think of that. I, no, I. I don't know. And maybe it's nothing. You know, maybe it's That's nothing. Okay. Maybe you're just as composed. Maybe you're just as articulate. You know, and and maybe it's nothing. I mean, I I just ask. You know, maybe, maybe I, I, and and you know what? It, I I don't mind the question. I swear. I I don't know. I I I'm telling you. I. I'm, I I really am blessed with a wonderful wife who uh, I know right now is saying, where is he? I can't go to sleep without him in bed. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate to have a wonderful wife. I We talk about, hey, listen, I teach a class to married couples with my wife. Wow. I, I mean, if, wow. I, if, if I can't, if, if I can't live what I talk to these other couples about, if I can't live that out myself, I'd be a pretty poor teacher. So yeah, I'm not I, saying, I, by no means yeah. I'm not perfect. I promise I'm not perfect. But, yeah, but my I, wife I'll accepts say, me as I am. <laughs> yeah, and that's good. And, I, and my wife and I teach um, class to marriage, marital, you know, marriage, married couples too. Terrific. Um, but, I mean, that, that's good. That's good. Maybe it's nothing, um, but that's good. I, I just thought I'd ask because, again, you know, um, you, you're just so um, eloquent. And I was wondering if it was just something that, you're just not as eloquent, you know, when it comes to bringing the topic up or the subject comes up with regard to your wife. But again, maybe, maybe it's nothing. So, well, I tell you, I hope it's nothing. If I sat here for a while, I don't, I don't know what I'd really think of. But uh, I'll go with nothing and appreciate you getting me out of that. <laughs> well, I, um, the reason why. I so what you're saying is that you don't have you you never argue with your wife about anything. Uh, yeah, y'all oh, never no, have no, arguments. No, I don't. I don't think I ever said that. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, now, you know, we, we communicate. Because women know how to push those buttons on, you know, on a husband if they really <laughs> want to get something or, you know. Yeah, if they want, if they yeah. want. So, yeah. But Ty, Tyrone, I got a question. I got a Go question ahead. for Tyrone. Yeah, so Tyrone, you said something about the population in the prison and 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 how it exceeded capacity, right? And, right. You know, with 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 that being an issue, do you think that people get a pass when they go in front of the court when they shouldn't have because there's no room in the prisons? People get a, light, a lighter sentence or they get walked when they shouldn't have? No, what they do is just move bodies around, man. They're all federal prisoners because D.C. is not a state. So they move bodies out to make room for the new bodies coming in. But, see, they're, 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 it's better now because they have a seal on the jail. They can only bring so many people in. I was talking about a time when they was really overcrowded. Like I said, the jail was built for 1,356 convicts, but they was pushing over 2,500 at the time. I mean, I had situations where I went to work. We got a cell block with 80 cells in it. That means for 80 people. But I walked in a cell block and had 250 inmates in it, four officers. Mm. So, you know, that's way overcrowding. Like I said, right now they have a seal on the jail, and they can only put like uh, 1960 or something like that in there. Mm. And they so find they other doing? avenues to, you know, divert convicts to. Okay, so so they may be shipping them out to another state or another jurisdiction, huh? Right, right. Okay. They do that all the time. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, that, that was my question. Okay. Um, now let me. I I, I pick uh, Lieutenant Andrews because um, just the best lieutenant. You know, with the I'm not going to say perfect life, but this is the best case in this hard job. This is the. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. This is the. I mean, married for 28 years, same wife. Uh, you have never cheated on your wife, or. You don't have to never, do never. I can honestly tell you, never. Okay, and 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 I was in my research. I seen that other, you know, the 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 main reason behind a divorce in the police department is other, you know, uh, cheating on your spouse because you're never there with them. Darren, I see it. Hours. I see it happen. It's it's true. I see I see guys go through it. Oh, okay. Well, did, now Tyrone, have you? You you said you've been a correction officer, and you have you ever experienced uh, other women? Yeah, yeah, it happens all the time, man. And a lot of time it break up marriages. You know, I guess that's why divorce rate is so high, yeah. because you know you're never at home, and and what you're dealing with, and even at the job that I work, you know, the billing has to be covered at all times. So a lot of times you have to stay, you know, it's a condition of employment to work a double shift, you know. So you might be away from home for 16 hours, you know. Mm. It puts a lot of pressure on a marriage. I've been married myself for 26 years, and I'm happily married, you know. Amen. Me and my wife have uh, 
the same situation that the lieutenant's speaking of. You know, we don't have any problems because, you know, we have a spiritual-based uh, marriage, you know. We put the Lord first and family next, so, you know, and it works. Amen. It really works. And that's the best thing ever happened to me in marriage. Now, have you ever had to compromise? Like um, like I asked Lieutenant um, Andrews, have you ever had to compromise something that you know that you were doing, uh, let's say, with a particular inmate that, you know, you might have knocked them out too hard or, you know, doing a riot situation where you're afraid that you might have put a little bit more force than you should have or putting them in one of those deadly chocos? That, you know. <laughs> Maybe back in the old days, you know, but they got cameras everywhere now, so you can't do okay. nothing because they may sue just like regular people. You know, if they get hurt in the jail, you know, they sue you personally and Department of Correction. So if they, okay, so if they get hurt in the jail, now I'm not trying to be. That's an automatic uh, lawsuit. Okay, what about, maybe this is a myth. Maybe I see this on TV. I haven't researched this at all. But is it a lot of uh, uh, rapes that's going on in jail that you guys have cameras and and you seeing that or? There's a lot of rapes in jail. There's a lot of homosexuals in jail. There's not being raped. Just go to jail to, <laughs> you know, to party. For real, I've seen it both okay. ways. You know, I I've eaten blue counts because two men land up in the bed together. So, so if you're walking past a cell and you see that activity going on, is it is it your job to stop it or just stop keep moving it, and say, write them up, disciplinary report, yeah, lock them down. Yes, it's my job to stop that. What what about um, what about corrections officers? Because we hear that a lot too. Corrections officers sleeping with the inmates, women. They took all the women out of the jail a few years ago. <laughs> but, I mean, there was a time. Listen, there was a time, you know, the females were there. We, was, we had about maybe 300, 350 females in the D.C. jail, you know, at one time. Matter of fact, they even stuck me in a female block at once and made me the OIC down there, the head officer. And I thought it was a trick. I thought it was a trap, you know, because they had 18 other cell blocks I could have went to with all men in them, but they put me down there with two female officers. And, uh, of course, I worked my way up out of there. It took me about two or three months, but I did. (laughs) You know how women like them bad boys, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, walking. Oh, yeah. But I didn't have any problems in the block, though. I kind of wish I had to stay, you know, but I knew it was a setup, you know, for me. So Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, wow. you know, you, you, when you're dealing with those females, I mean, it's, and they set you up. They set you up real good. So I, I didn't want to stay in there. Mm. Okay. Well, let me ask, let me ask somebody, uh, is Officer Black on the line, too? Officer Black, you there? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm here. Oh, that was oh, awful. Oh, okay. How, how you doing, Officer? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Okay. Um, now, you work on a different spectrum than Lieutenant Andrews and uh, and Tyrone. Could you tell me where you work and what do you do? 
uh right now I'm a um um <laughs> I am a um jeez. I don't know if I wanna say my assignment over the air. No, okay, well just tell me well yeah, if, if it's gonna cost you again, just uh what did you used to do? Um before, um I was spent um about seven years in narcotics, um a little bit of time in auto theft and a little bit of time in patrol. So you was basically dealing with the, the the street people. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. You said narcotics. That's the that's the uh, the drugs and the dogs and all that other stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it's pretty much a narcotics unit where you um, investigate um, places where narcotics are being sold and the people who sell them. Okay. In what area do you work mainly? Um, predominantly the housing projects of D.C., Washington, D.C. Okay. And what kind of assignments did you have? Uh, well, typically you would get, um, you would get tipped off about a person or a place that sold a particular drug. Um, and we would employ, um, we would call them special employees. We would employ, um, substance abuse users to um, attempt to buy drugs from these, you know, particular targets. And um, if the buy was good, oh, we would also use, um, like, NPD um, marked money. Um, let's say there was a, Mark, a homicide. In, yeah. If, let's say if there was money, a homicide. Yeah, marked money is when um, we photocopy the money. We photocopy the money, and we take the money and the photos of the money out on the streets with us. And we and we give the photocopy money to our um, special employees, and the special employees buy, um, you know, narcotics with the, the money that's been pre-recorded. And um, so when we go to arrest the suspect, the suspect has the pre-recorded money on him, you know, at the time of his arrest. Oh, okay. That's how you track if he's guilty. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. won't be a. Okay. Now, do you have a family? Oh yeah. Yep, I have four okay. daughters, and I'm married. Okay, how long have you been married? Uh, nine years. Okay, mm-hmm. now, you've been married nine years. Have this, um, now, you said narcotics, you said money, and you said drugs, all right? Now, yep. that means money is around you all the time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, potential, or, or potentially to make money is around you all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, with narcotics, with narcotics, I mean, you're basically making cases, um, several different cases every day. And with police officers, um, particularly D.C. police officers, you, um, you, you know, you go to court. And if you work during the evening tour, the midnight tour, you know, court is overtime. So with every case right, that you make, you have to, yeah, you got to go to court during the day. So you're making all these cases. You're going to court. So that's how you make an additional money. Now, is it that's got to be stress in itself to see a whole bunch of money that you confiscated from you? I mean, uh, I, I'm just looking at it from a from a, a, a perspective of somebody that's watching a movie, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> real life, you know, I know you have busted some places and saw a whole lot of money just laying around. Uh, have anybody ever got caught up in into that where you you kind of you know you see them taking some things that they don't supposed to take? 
Um, no, not not anybody that I've ever seen personally. I mean, you you hear stories, but you know, with me in the back of my mind, I'm always like, you know, we make we make a good amount of money, um, and you know, you have years left on the job of making a good amount of money, and and that little bit of money that you might see, even if it's like a you know a couple thousand dollars, you know, you compare that and you say, you know, that's it's not worth it. It's not worth your reputation. It's not worth your job. It's not worth going to jail. You know, it's just not worth it. So that's how I always view that. Yeah, and I would say um, I'm not in law enforcement myself. You know, I've been in banking for 15 years. And you know, I can I can sort of relate to that because you know I've experienced um, I've experienced you know being around you know piles of money and that sort of thing. But I mean, of course, we 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 just gotta it's just paper you know to us, and we we just have to make sure that it adds up. And you know, I always say that if it starts to look like you know X amount of dollars, and you're like, man, what I could do with. Fifty grand right now, or whatever, which is just sitting right there. I mean, it's it, that's when you need to start. You know, get a either d- resign <laughs> or yeah, you know, you just take a position that's not you know dealing with the money. But you know, the question I wanted to ask you guys that you all, you know, you all, the three of you gentlemen seem to be you know very you know rooted and grounded. Um, but my question is, is simple. You know, when it comes to the marriage and the family piece, you all have families and all that good stuff. Like, it seems like you, you know, you're proficient at your jobs. But where do y'all talk? You know, about a marital spat or something like that, um, or you know, something going on with your kid, uh, or saving for college. I'm not necessarily talking about bad stuff. You know, all the time. But where do you guys, you know, get that release? you know, to, I guess, debrief before you go right into being that great husband and father that you are? Like, is, <laughs> what, do, what do y'all do to, do you, I mean, is there anything that you do? I mean, do you go ride a bike or do you just sit on the porch? I mean, like, what do you do, you know, do you or do you do anything to talk, to, to, to just debrief before you have to go in and, and do the, the family stuff? Well, I know, I... Uh, like I, I was talking earlier, uh, uh, I get in the car, leave leave the office, get in the car, uh, and take that uh, drive home and try to use that time to decompress as much as possible. Um, uh, that was always uh, good for me, uh, you know, especially when I was in child abuse or uh, you know, some of those other uh, sections I worked in. But uh, you know, it, it, too, it's you know, exercise is always good. Uh, you know, you have maybe an accountability partner or, or someone, uh, another guy you you trust who you can kind of unload on um, mm-hmm. uh, at times. Uh, but I, you know, to be honest, I mean, for me too, it's uh, you know, prayer, uh, you know, church friends, uh, getting away, uh, maybe for like a. A, a retreat for a day, just myself, uh, maybe once a year, just to kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of get the mind back in order and you know, shake off some 
some stress that maybe you've been carrying for a while, those kind of things, they, they, they've been real helpful for me. Gotcha. And, and my strength comes from uh, a strong religious background. Yeah. You know, I was raised um, by my great aunt and uncle down in North Carolina, and they were Christians. You know, I was ra- raised in a religious background. So, you know, that that's where I get yeah, most of my strength from. Man, I know it's me. I am. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. Um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I mean, my I was raised by you know parents that was you know kind of young and you know were basically trying to figure it out. Um, I didn't get saved until I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I went to a. I went to a. Um, a Christian high school, and I got saved doing one of the chapel services. Um, so it's been a long journey for me, um, especially with my job. Um, I grew up in a very um, violent neighborhood, a violent city. I mean, I saw a lot of stuff. Um, so for me, being a police officer just kind of activated um, aggression that was already there. Um, I didn't even start wanting to be um i guess like uh a good man until I got married you know I met my wife and you know she's the best part of me um she's she's the she's the person that makes me want to be a good man and you know makes me want to um be the type of uh you know man that God has called me to be because I know that I can't be a, a street guy or, you know, a, like a guy that I deal with in the streets or on a job and and stay married and, 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 you know, be a father and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, take, well, taking that position on a narcotics, I, I just can, can imagine that you have to be full of aggression and full of attitude and full of hype. I mean, not hype, but just uh, adrenaline. Yeah, it, when you, it's um, when you <laughs> it, it's uh, I was I tell my wife all the time, um, when when I was a young officer, we, well, first of all, I got married while I was in the police academy. I had kids while I was in the police academy, so it was all like happening at the same time. So I was saying, how, how long is the how long is the police academy? It's a, <laughs> it's a, well, my kids were born um while I was in the police academy. Oh, okay, okay. So it, it all happened, like, fast. Okay. And um, so by the time I hit the streets, I was a dad, I was a husband, and a new police officer. So um, f- for, like, the first maybe five or six years of my career, I was just police, and that's it. I was totally into my job, and, you know, I was home when I was home, but for the most part, I was just kind of into my job, and that was it because I excelled and I was good at it and you know narcotics and ju- it just consumed you I mean you wor- you worked evenings you worked midnights um you were in court most of the, the morning so you was gone I was gone all the time and it wasn't until I started like getting in trouble and stuff like that when I started to realize well wait a minute you know this job is 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 not um it's making us money but it's not 
um, turning me into the type of man that I, you know, aspired to be before I came on the police department. When you said it was getting you in trouble, what do you mean with your wife or? Um. Well, I had a couple incidents happen at work that kind of were, um, let's say, well, when you okay, let, let's say when you when you are in a narcotic unit, a lot of times you're guilty by association. You know, so when things happen, things that are questionable happen. I mean, just because you're in that unit, you get associated with those things. You know, so mm. the whole unit gets investigated, not just, you know, with the one person. Can you share what kind of things that you're talking about? Um, well... Well, if you can't, yeah. don't, don't. Uh, okay, you prefer <laughs> yeah, not to, that's cool. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> We ain't try to get nobody yeah. in trouble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. A couple of close calls, but I mean nothing, nothing criminal, nothing criminal, or anything like mm-hmm. that. But just you know, close, close calls. You know, people being hurt. You know, while in police custody and things of that nature. So, but you say you have four daughters. Did I hear you correctly? Yes. Yes. So you know, there was a. There, I've I've got two daughters, and um, I've got a son now. He's the baby. He's two. But I know there were times for me when it was the wife and the two daughters, like I didn't have, you know, an outlet or a a guy to talk to with all this estrogen running through the house. (laughs) I mean, do you deal deal with that, being the only guy in the house? I know they're they're texting you like, could you bring some toilet paper home? We're out of toilet paper again because I know I I go to, you know, I go to BJ's at both. You know, once a month to get the biggest. Oh my goodness! You know. You know. Oh yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Um, I I also have two dogs too, <laughs> so. But man. are they female too? Are they female? Too? Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one one male and one female, but yeah, man, that that thing about being the only guy in the house, man, it's it's real, man. I mean, um, and it, it, even even going back to my childhood, like I didn't grow up, you know. It, there were men in my family. I mean, they were all men. I mean, and so I didn't really understand what it was like to to grow up in a house with you know all women. But um, my daughters have, and my wife have really, really taught me a lot about about women and everything. And initially, I was like, "Y'all need to be like me. What's wrong with y'all?" <laughs> but you know, now I just I just pay attention and I embrace you know their womanhood and I just learn and you know learn how to be um sensitive and you know um empathetic and I learn how to you know try to understand their emotions you know stuff like that but like I said when I was running and gunning I was man I was just like aggressive and disconnected and you know it just wasn't wasn't a good good deal did it have any effect on your marriage when you was that way? Oh yeah, big time, man. My wife and I, man, we um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of fighting, man. A lot of fighting, a lot of arguing. Um, no, you know, no physical fighting, just a lot of just just arguing, you know. And um, even today, you know, looking back at our um, I would say first maybe six years of marriage. You know, so we've, we're affected by that right now. You know, right now, we, we, it's almost like we had to hit the reset button and say to ourselves, you know, is 
was the connection real? Was the love real? You know, like, did we make a mistake? I mean, can we move forward? I mean, so, you know. Now, do you con- so would you contribute that? Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Would I contribute it to what? No, would you contribute that to your job, or would you contribute that to uh, getting married too early, or would you contribute that to uh, things just happening so fast? What would you contribute your disconnect from your family to? Honestly, I will contribute the bulk of it to my job because, like I said, during that time, you know, being an officer, it's not like like working for the government, you know. You... You're working for the government. I'm like, I don't really know, but I can only assume you go to work, you have lunch, you know, and then you come home. <laughs> you know, being an officer ain't like, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've had a couple government jobs when I was younger, but and that's what I did. Like, I went to work, had a, a couple little assignments or whatever, and then I ate lunch and I came home. But an officer is not like that, man. I mean, you go from zero to sixty. You might go from riding the car to a foot chase to a fight. You know, you might be involved in a shooting. I mean, you like I, I heard the um, the lieutenant talk about, you know, people hurting kids. I mean, you just never know what you're going to see on a particular day. And like I heard him say, you know, on his on his ride home, um, how he would listen to different music and stuff like that. Now. When I got on, I was 25 years old. Like, I was young. So I was young. I was aggressive. So it was a lot that I had to learn about, a lot about being a cop, being a father, being a husband. And it was all happening at the same time. Um, So the things that I was bad at or didn't know that much about, I put to the side. And that was like just being a husband. I ain't know nothing about being a husband. Being a dad, I was cool at being a dad, but I was rarely home. But being mm. an officer, I was I was good at that, so I focused most of my time, my energy, and my attention onto that. So that's why those disconnects happen, and um, you know, so that's why I would say, like, if I had time to, well, not time, but if, if I could have just shifted my focus and worked on the the foundation of you know, my marriage and, and that relationship for the first five years, it would be it wouldn't it wouldn't be what it is now, I think. But do so, you think so, that, do, you, do you think that um you know with regards to your wife and you were excelling at your job, you know, so I'm sure there were um kudos, promotional opportunities, bonuses, you know, extra work or special assignments, you know, all of these yeah. things that validated you, but when it came to your home life, do you think that your wife validated you or invalidated you as a husband and or a father? Like, was she giving you the same thing that the force was giving you? No. (laughs) No. My wife, she'll tell anybody she hates my job. She'll, you know, she doesn't doesn't like the fact that, you know, I'm I'm a police officer, so... It, it it wasn't it wasn't that and it, it, and at work you it was it was the opposite you know I was getting I was getting compensated monetarily um, you know made a lot of money uh, you know was able to do a lot of things with the family and everything um, and I was I was being placed in specialized units getting awards um, you know doing all kinds of things I've been able to move around the department a lot in my my 
my tenure. But um, she's like, you know, you need to put that same time, energy, and, and focus into me. Mm. And honest, and honestly, I thought that was unrealistic for a long time because I never saw that. Like, you know, I saw my father go to work and provide for the family, and you know, I thought that was being married and everything. And I thought the wife was just supposed to just kind of. That's the same I don't thing know. the lieutenant said. That's the same thing yeah. the lieutenant said. His father I, said, "Go to work, boy." Yeah, <laughs> up, it's like you know, because you you as a as a young a man, you know. You um, are taught to work, you know. You're not taught how to be a husband. You're taught to work. You know, you might see your mom and dad go out on a date or go to, you know, dinner or something like that. But you see your father providing for the family, you know. So that's what I did. I was like, well, like we were arguing. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like the bills are paid and, you know, the kids are fine and you have everything you want we and then i was even taking it a step further i'm like we go out we go out all the time we go out on dates all the time like i don't understand why you're unhappy you know but um have you have you ever not to cut you off but have you ever asked your wife you know she hates your job you know we, we we know that but have you ever asked her like that if you could take another job you know, less paying, of course, but you were home. You know, like that government job where you go to work, <laughs> right. you go to lunch, and you come home at 5.30. Right. Like, have you ever right. talked to her about, okay, well, you wouldn't be able to do some of the things that you do that you, that you you currently do or have done, you know, right. in regards to spending and that sort of thing? Like, what, like, have you asked her that? And if you were to ask her that, do you think that she would be like, yeah, you know, I would want you home, and, you know, we couldn't go on the – Lavish vacations, <laughs> like what? Do you think that she would give you that, or do you think that, you know, she would kind of be like, nah, you know, I like to, you know, shop or do whatever it is y'all do, yeah. you know, you know, what? What do you think she would say to that if you're like, you know, what? I'll quit tomorrow and get a lower paying job, and I'll yeah. be home. I, but guess what? Your spending's gonna be cut significantly. Exactly. I don't. I don't think that. Um, you know, my family's so large. I don't even. I don't think that. Um, she would opt for the, the lesser paying job at all. I mean, well, she can't have it both ways. Have you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I know. I, you know, I'm just in my opinion. I don't think that she that she would. And I mean, like, I kind of had a I had a revelation a couple of years ago. Like, you know, just because because initially when I was you know young young man, young in my marriage, young in, in my career, I was really irritable when I would come home. Like, I was always tired. Um, and I was just irritable. So little things would, would, would piss me off. Like, you know, I had small kids at the time, and I would expect, you know, things to be clean, like the house to be clean. You know, I would come home and be toys and stuff everywhere, laundry everywhere. And I'd be like, man, you know, I'm gone all day. You know what? Like, what are y'all doing during the day? Like, <laughs> like, like, what? What's going on in here during the day? Where this, these Man, you small? You sound like my wife. You sound like my wife. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, these small items can't get done. Like, you know, laundry and toys being put away, and why aren't these things happening? And I just felt like, you know, they weren't holding up their end of the deal or whatever. And I mean. 
I don't know, man. I mean, the Lord's really just worked on me and worked on me to the point where now I'm just like, okay, um, maybe that this maybe this is a, a weakness. You know, I try to I try to put in my mind that this is something that I need to be showing. So now it's like I'll come home and I'll put toys away and fold clothes and wash clothes and. You know, but then, I, but then on the other hand, I get a little irritated with that because I'm like, well, I don't want to be working in the streets and then working at home too. You know. Can I? Can I ask a question? Absolutely. Uh, as far as evolving, because you know, I I hear you speaking about the uh, e- evolving internally, but when you were speaking about the career and you know going through the year after year with the career. Has the career aspect evolved outside of of service? Meaning, have you looked at creating new opportunities, creating new business scenarios, or has it always just been the the wanting of this is the career I love it, I'm good. Um, yeah, I've actually fig- tried to figure out how to. Um, create different employment opportunities outside of out of the police department because um, things can, things can happen with the police department and your stream of income can be cut and can be halted quickly. So I've you know I haven't found anything yet um, as far as like real estate or you know anything like that to. Um, supplement my income, so it's still basically just police. But I'm—I mean, I'm searching for it. I mean, a lot, a lot of guys doing different things to supplement their income. Um, the only thing I do is just—I just work overtime. Um, but like now, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because it's something that Rodney said weeks ago about his situation. But I've come my own personal thing. I've come to realize and listen to your story reminds me of that. I'm currently in the state of evolving beyond where I was, whatever, whatever. I'm not married. I'm a single guy, but okay. I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion now that when I look at marriages, part of the problem as I see it, and you know, I hope to get the right situation, but part of the problem I see it, we get pigeonholed into these things decade after decade, and we don't evolve, whether that's spiritually, internally, or externally. We just, we're doing the same thing, and I've heard it on this show several times. It's like the same thing. So that's why I asked the question, has there been like a, something God has presented like, hey, you know, maybe it's through whatever, the real estate or the private investigator, whatever, yeah. um, that could probably take you to the next level. Has that been a, a, a thing God has planted? Well, um, just recently I've had a couple different assignment changes um, that, like, I don't deal in narcotics anymore at all. Like, that whole world uh, is, I'm done with it. It's just a dark, fast, um, violent, aggressive world. So I've chosen to to not deal with that kind of thing anymore. Um, And the thing about the police department is that there's so many different assignments that you can have um, so many different routes you can take. You can literally change your world by changing your assignment. So
So I haven't gone outside of the police department to try to evolve. I've just changed my assignment. And those assignments have given me more time at home. And, um, you know, just from doing that, like I've been able to do different things, like spend more time in church, spend more time with my family, and spend more time doing the things that, that I like to do. So, um, you know, during that process, I've just evolved. And, I mean, I've been able to take classes at church and learn about the Lord and learn about myself and learn about what it means to be a husband, father, things of that nature. So that's that's kind of like where I am right now in terms of evolving. And then, so did your wife, before, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, whereas before it was like work, 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 you know, focus, focus totally on work. Now it's not that for me. Now it's like, well, work is here and let me figure out this other stuff or let me spend more time focusing on these other things. So that's kind of where I'm at now. So do your wife respect um, the fact that you went from a job that kept you away from home uh, a lot more um, now than you're at, than you're at home, or do, is she just still negative about the police department? Period. I mean, because it sounds like she got a she got a um, she got something against you being a police officer, you know, vice being a narcotics officer. Yeah. Well, but it's all the same on her, it seems. Yeah. It, I think it's because <laughs> now. Well, with my current assignment now, it's okay. But it's still like, um, it, it it's still well. The, the day to day of the assignment is fine, but if we get that call, and it, it can get real. Um, so you know, she still views that as you know it being a dangerous assignment. But um, I think she I think she knows that I'm trying you know to to make things right and to I let her know all the time. I'm like you know. You know, forgive me for the first maybe six, seven years of you know our marriage. You know, because I wasn't looking at you; I was just looking at work. You know, so I was, I was just kind of lost in the sauce. You know, um, and you know a lot of things were said. You know, a lot of feelings were hurt. You know, during that time. So I look at it now like we have to basically start over and rebuild. You know, mm. so um, is she willing to do that or? Well. It's a process, you know. There are good days and bad days. You know, we we both know that we have to rebuild our marriage, um, but you know, we're not quite on the same page, going at the same speed right now. Um, but we, I mean, we're both aware that we have to rebuild it. So, yeah. I can answer that. Go ahead, go ahead, Mel. Oh, real quick, I, I can relate to you a, a whole lot. Um, I, I, I can imagine that you wish almost that you almost didn't have a past with her. Yeah. That you could just kind of just move forward and not have the memories because right. you probably can move past the memories, but she probably can't. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, with me, I think, and and I, I tell her this all the time because of the way that I came up. And because of the things that I've seen, whether when I was a kid or even on the police department, I'm always trying to just move forward and not live in the past and not even think of, like, if things that I've seen in my childhood that I don't, I just don't think about. Like, if it, if the thought comes up, I don't think about it. I try to think about something else. And even with my marriage, like, we've had 
bad times. I mean, she said crazy things to me. And there are things I just like, you know what, I can't think about that. I got to move forward. I got to forgive and just move forward. You know, you know. whereas my wife, it's hard for her to move forward um, when it comes to certain things. I mean. I think that's any woman, bro. You know, I think yeah. it's harder for them. I mean, literally, yeah, it's harder for yeah. them to just, you know, stop gap. Okay, that was last week. We yeah. Forward. yeah. It's, it's, and, and I think I a think, lot of times it's because it's, it's, it's unresolved on their end. Yeah, like, and like, that's ah, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's her, and that's her you, favorite word too. You know, unresolved, unresolved. And my thing is, once you say I'm sorry, it's a wrap. You know, it's a wrap. It's like, hey, look, I said something crazy. You said something crazy. I'm sorry. Let's move forward, and that and it's over with. You know. But but also, hey. I think you you need to look at things from her point of view. Also, you know, mm-hmm. she loves you and and. She's always in the back of her mind that, you know, she might get that call, you know, that you got hurt or, you know. So, I mean, you got to see it from her point of view, too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, one thing Lieutenant um, Andrew said earlier tonight, Officer Black, was he said if his, he he glad it didn't happen when his wife had to come home and say, hey, either your job or me in the family. Yeah, I heard yeah. But he said also that if his wife, I think, I don't want to put misquote him or anything. Lieutenant Andrews, you still there? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you say that if your wife was to ask you to leave the job, you would have left the job and found something else to do? Darren, that is easy to say. Say, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy to say. Uh, I, yeah, I I'd love to answer yes. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if she if she said it's me or the job, I'll choose my wife any day of the week, any day. But okay, that's what she said. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so now you say it's easy to say, and you say you'll choose your wife, but would you? Ashley quit your job after 20 years and just retire early. When is the retirement age for a police officer anyway? But it's it's uh, it's years. It's not age. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. You know, I can I can go at 20 years. Uh, it, it's a it's with with a penalty. Uh, your full retirement is 25, and the highest you can go is 30. Uh, for I mean, you can continue till. You know, you're in your 60s, but you know you you cap out at a certain percentage uh, at 30 years. But full retirement is considered 25. You can go at 20 at my agency. You can go at 20, but it's with a penalty. You wouldn't get as much as you would uh, at 25. You retired at 25. Okay, so um, so Officer Black, would you would you actually say if your wife um, comes oh, to you man. and say, I'm tired of these, I'm, I'm just 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 a question because. This is where you have to – I often pin myself up against the hardest wall with nails sticking out of it and glass and all this other sharp stuff. And I and, and I try to make that wall as smooth as possible when it comes to my wife. So I often ask my question, myself these questions that I'm going to ask you. If your wife was to say, Lieutenant um, – I mean, uh, Officer Black, um, could you or Sweetie or whatever she calls you, I want you to quit or me and the girls are out of here, what would you do? Man, 
I don't know, man, because, you know, you've been, I mean, I'm like, I'm almost 10 years in, and, you know, I don't really have a secondary secondary plan. You know, I can see myself as as, as clear as day moving throughout the department and retiring as like a captain. I can see it. I already know what I got to do, and... I don't know, and then I mean, and then like I would, it would have to be some type of good reason, like. What know, a good like, reason is, he's leaving if you don't. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't think that's, I don't think you know that's, what I think that's selfish. He's talking about compromise. Man. <laughs> I can interject this thought. I, I think for, I think for some time, people who are in those group setting type of jobs, that is, is family. In the, it's a family mindset in those types of roles. It's not just so much of a disconnect, I think, uh, even though that there is the wife who is supposed to be the absolute involved, I mean, unless she's, you know, leaving or giving you an absolute. I think some people, man, they when they're in those family group type of positions, it's hard to just say, I'm going to bounce. It's kind of like somebody coming to you and say, okay, this union has been treating me and my family well for years. I'm so attached with the people I deal with every day. Now someone is saying, "Hey, we're family over here too. You need to draw a conclusion." That's it's kind of a hard deal to come to if it's that type of job. I think you yeah. can compromise. Like you can, like you know, I like like for example, I changed my assignment. Like I, I went to day work. You know, there, there are things that you can do to change. You know, your assignment. Compromise. Just leave. You know, you leave the whole. Department. I mean, come on. You you go from making making a good amount of money to doing what? And it's and it's almost like why? Because you're saying I'm gonna leave. Like to me, that's not. Well, that's not. I don't know. That's not good enough for me. Well, just you know. But the reason why I asked that because I did 15 years in the Navy, and mm-hmm. my wife uh, woke up one morning and said I had a dream that you know they sent your unit to Afghanistan and you got you got killed, and. So um, it was my turn to reenlist, and I had to reenlist. It was going. I was just going to reenlist for my last five years, and um, and when I uh, now keep in mind, I got really sixteen years in. So she told me that, and she said, "I when it comes time for you to reenlist, I don't want you to reenlist." And that was so hard for me because I can. I only have to do five more years. Right to this day, I would have been retired if I would have just stayed in. Man, wow! But, but I got yeah. out at I got out at fifteen years, uh, yeah. and 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 I'm not saying that this is what everyone needs to do. I I did have a backup plan, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I had an education, and um, and all those things came into play when it came time for me to leave the Navy. But I did find out that that unit did go to Afghanistan and half of those people didn't make it back. Yeah, well, to so, me that's a that's a good reason though. Like Well, no, that's You can't you can't just be high like high I don't high. like your job. <laughs> I don't like your job. <laughs> you know, it's got to yeah. be something like it's got to be well, something. You, you, you I mean, know. like Rodney said earlier, he said um that you know, I think his classy one of them said that you know, she gets up every morning or go to sleep every night and want to know if you're going to make it back in the morning. You know, you, you're still a police officer. You know, if something go down, you got to go do what you got to do. And 
that can be constantly on her mind. So a lot of times a woman got to disconnect herself from your dangerous job just so she can yeah. won't have to worry so much. You know, yeah, so I mean, um, yeah, I can see that. I'm sorry, I was, I was just going to say, I, I think what Officer Black said uh, is true, at least in in bigger departments, the opportunities to move to uh, may, maybe out of a certain position that is causing more stress in the home uh, is available to police officers. Again, that's more in, in bigger departments uh, where those opportunities do exist. In a smaller department, uh, it might be a little more difficult, uh, but uh, it, it, it is uh, an option for for officers to be able to. Uh, okay, let, let me get out of narcotics. I know this is is causing a problem in our home because I'm always out. I'm always, uh, you know, I'm dealing with difficult people. Uh, it's got me in a mindset all the time. Uh, let me let me change gears and I'll do something else. And and that is a great benefit in this job. And does yeah. the department kind of look out for y'all? You know, because I know in my job, you know, I have three small children, 11, 7, and 2. And, you know, when there is some travel involved here and there. But, you know, they generally look to the folks, you know, like Lieutenant Andrews. You know, you got college kids, you know, that kind of, yeah. uh, you know, manage themselves, you know, if they're still living at home or, or they're actually away from home. But, you know, does the department kind of look out for you guys and say, hey, you know, let's not put him on that particular assignment because he has, you know, small children or whatever versus the guy that has college kids or no. kids. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. It, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> the guy who wants that position and isn't getting it says the agency is is uh, making life more difficult for him. The guy who wants that position and gets it, yeah, the agency's looking out for me. I, I can tell you, I, you know, I can think of a guy in our uh, agency uh, who, you know, unfortunately, uh, he, divorced, he and his wife divorced. It was a big, unexpected thing uh, for him. Um, I went through a, a tough custody battle. Uh, he has uh, custody uh, of uh, two boys, two sons. Uh, and uh, it was important that uh, he get a, a different uh, position the agency helped them out. I, I thought that was great, but unfortunately, again, I, I'm in a smaller department than uh, the city or some of the uh, some of the surrounding bigger counties. Uh, but, you know, we still have 300 uh, officers, so it's not small by any means. But the opportunities in agencies that have maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand officers are are much bigger. Uh, you know, you can kind of make a lateral move a lot easier than you can. Uh, in a smaller agency, does that slow yeah. down promotion any, or uh, what? What making a uh, change laterally? Not necessarily. Yeah, okay. Oh, not okay. not necessarily. You're going through the same uh, promotional process as everybody else, so uh, you know certainly it it shouldn't affect that. That's just a catch twenty two to me. If you if you're trying to switch around and 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 then you you still do the switching and you you think you're doing it for the best of your family or because your wife would like you to and then you still end up in a divorce. You know, that's that's kinda hard because, you know, you did it for the purpose of not to get a divorce and then you end up divorcing anyway. You know what the you know what uh also Flat said earlier, I, I see here in Atlanta all the time. But when he said, 
you know, well, well, not Officer Flat, but the lieutenant. It, it's, I look at it like this, fellas. It's like some some of these careers, regardless of being an officer, they're more important to people than the marriages that they're in. And they don't understand that it slowly erodes the progress of the family that they say they love more. I mean, you know, so I don't know. Like here in Atlanta, there's a lot of single people I know interacting with either officers or uh, spouses of officers to the point where I look at it here in Atlanta, I'm like, why are they even together? You know what I'm saying? But it's eroded to that point, and that's what I don't get. But like you said, hey, they quit, and then it goes apart anyway. And it's like, look how much damage that has happened over the years to get it to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that that is true. I, a lot of police officers, and not just the police, uh, you know, firefighters and others, I, I, they, their identity is being the police. That's their identity. That's uh, 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 not their livelihood; it's their life, um, uh, and and that there's a consequence to that kind of thinking. If 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 I don't think of myself more as uh, more than just a police officer, I, as a matter of fact, I, I I prefer to think of that as maybe number four on the list rather than number one. Uh, you know, in my case, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, uh, then I'm a police officer. Uh, and, and you know that kind of keeps, hopefully, keeps priorities in order. And uh, you know, hey, this is where the importance it lies. So, let me ask you. Go ahead, go ahead, Mal. I'm sorry, real quick. Let me ask you both to the lieutenant and Officer Black, um, or really, I guess the fellas. It seems like though. Um, oh. Um, like Officer Black, it sounds like he enjoys his job. He enjoys probably the um, camaraderie that he has with the fellas. And he probably can relate to that more than he can his wife, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do you, how do you, how does your wife not understand that or not just not accept that that's just the reality that I can relate to that I enjoy that conversation. I enjoy talking about that job, that work, that all, all that over there, more than just whatever it is you're talking about at home. My work phone. I'm gonna call it right back. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you. Yeah, oh, my sorry. bad. Go, go <laughs> sorry about that. Well, no, I, I was just saying, like, like, I can relate to kind of, I, I, I guess, Officer Black in particular. It seems like. Work is something that you just can relate to, that you can enjoy more than perhaps, you know, home. Yeah, I mean, I, well, it's it's really just a matter of perspective for, for me. Work is work is um, it's it's fun, <laughs> or it was fun. Um, yeah, you're, you know, well, okay. I give you a prime example. I grew up playing sports, right? Been on teams my whole life since I was about six years old. When I became the police, it was the same. You know, you hung out with your friends all day, and you you became you you got a reputation, and you became good at something, and you became known for certain things. 
And, you know, when, you, when you're when you at work, especially as a police officer, if you're not like a – if you're a good police officer, man, you're respected, you're, you're honored, you're feared. I mean, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, you, you, if you are placed in elite units and you're, you're an elitist and you're a competitor, you know, all of these things are being fed, you know, your ego and everything and your pride, all that stuff is being fed. Then when you go home, you're dad. And don't get me wrong, that's great. Dad is great, you know, but if you, if you have someone or, if you, you know, if you have your wife at home that isn't doing that for you then that's that's a that's a problem you know you have to I, figure it out i guess i mean for me hey, can i interject a little something right here Mar- sure. um, marriage is something that you have to work at just like your yes. job mm-hmm. and uh the only way you can you know like i said keep it together you have to communicate you got to you know, respect each other's feelings, and like mm-hmm. I said, you got to look at it from both perspectives. Marriage works for people that want it to work. Right. If you're not ready for it, I mean, it's one of those things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. But if you're ready for marriage, you know what I'm saying, you know you got to work at it, just like you got to work at your job. Yeah. But, but what if that requires you to conform to just some extreme level? Um yeah. To almost changing, uh, say just to be happy, just to make her happy. Nah, nah. Marriage is a compromise. You know, she knows that that's your job. So right. I mean, she knows that she have to be on the same page with you. You know, a hundred percent for it to work. And like I say, well, you got to work at the marriage just like you work at your job. Well. I'll tell you what, over the last over the last nine years, I will admit, I mean, she's been trying to conform, you know, because there's a certain thing of a police officer's wife, you know, like there there's certain, um, there, there isn't any special training or anything like that, but there needs to be almost because. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard. It's definitely hard. You know, my, 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 and I have to, I have to, you know, take my hat off to her, I mean. I haven't always been a um, very easy person to like or to deal with, you know, because of, you know, stressors that that I've had. But, um, and I just, I came to this um, revelation um, maybe about a year ago. Like, I've been the focus. Me and my issues and my problems have been the focus of the marriage. And she's been the one trying to adapt to me you know, in this crazy job that I have, you know, and I had mm-hmm. to, like, take a step back and be like, wait a minute, you know. What about you? What What about her? What about yeah, what she's man. going through? What about how she's feeling? You know, what mm-hmm. about what she's thinking? You know, so, and that's, yeah, and, that and that's, 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 that's where I am. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's where I am now. But, I mean, she's still angry about and and I'm just <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get it. I, I totally understand why you're angry and you know, why you don't like certain things, but it took me it took me a long time to even get there. And now that I'm there, I mean it's it's uncomfortable for me, you know, and I, I do have to do some extreme changes in order to um 
understand um and and, and you know but I, i'm where it's like I, I i am where i am right now i'm in a i'm in a learning spot where right now cuz almost like it's almost like man who are you <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah you know, and i um, and i and i'll tell you bro you know um you know i don't know you but i will say you know we don't we don't always arrive at the same time and you know, my only advice to you would be be patient with your wife. Um, you know, she may she may still be dealing with some things that went on in the first five years of your marriage that obviously you've gotten past. But you know, again, she's still you know processing some of those things, and maybe you know you yeah. might have to you know literally revisit something that happened in year two of your marriage just to help yeah. her you know sort of get well, over that hump. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I would just, you know, I would just say, you know, just kind of just just ex- extend a lot more patience, you know, for her, because women are emotional and they do, you know, hold on to stuff a little bit longer. But, you know, just try to, you know, just process some of that stuff and see what you could do to to help work some of that, you know, work, work it through with her. But, you know, you just got to unfortunately exercise more patience because it could be another five years for her to get to where you are today. Yeah, and, you know, I was just having this conversation with her today. Like, I was like, man, I don't, I told her, I said, I don't like where we are right now. I was like, you know, but I understand why we are where we are. But, and it's a little scary because you don't know the future. And I told Mm -hmm. her, I said, I said, the only thing that we know is how to keep going. Yeah. So I said, let's just keep doing that. We don't know the future. We know we and we know that the past was crazy, and we don't know the future. But all we know how to do is keep going. So, you know, it's I don't know. It is I I tell her all the time. Like you know, as as long as you with me, I'm you know I'm I'm with you and I'm moving forward. And if we're moving forward together, you know we'll you know just figure it out. You know because like I said, um, we were both young when we got married. We really didn't know what we were getting into. We had kids, young, and the, the police department. I mean, it was like a perfect storm almost, you mm-hmm. know. But we we survived it, and um, you know we were continue. I mean, we you know kids are getting older, um, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't know. We just, we we just moving forward. I mean, we're we're both in our mid thirties, you know. So hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, have y'all tried uh, counseling, professional counseling? Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, through the through the police department, though, um, I don't. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I don't feel like it was very effective. Um, you know, I I I, I think um, Christian counseling would, Christian counseling would be a better uh, suit. Yeah, that's um, what but, I was gonna suggest. Yeah, um, but you know, right now it's not something that she's ready to do right now and I'm just, you know, being patient with her in terms of um when she'll be ready. But um and yeah, I'm 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 just kinda I I would say I can I can relate to you brother, you know, because you talk about the perfect storm. I've been married fifteen years, but I think around seven or eight year year seven or eight, I think I was probably where you are now, you know, just trying to you know, find a find our way, and um, it's not pleasant. Um, you know, however, the good thing is that you, you have some. Seems like both of you have some stick to itiveness, and once you get over this, 
Like, I almost say that your, you know, marriages need to go through this kind of stuff in order right. for it to be strong. You know, it's almost like, you know, as they say, the old adage, like, you, you really can't appreciate the sunshine, you know, if there's all you got is sunshine every day. You know, right, I mean, it has right. to, it has to rain sometimes for you to appreciate. Man, it's it's not raining anymore. You know, it's not cloudy anymore. You know, so I, I you know, I, I again, you know, stick in there, be patient. But I think on the other side of this, you know, you your marriage will be so much stronger because of what you're going through right now. You know, the period where you really don't know the way forward. Um, and I, I'm just, you know, speaking from experience because I've been there. You know, the, you know, I had a, a, we had our second child, and the wife took a new job, new assignments, and it wasn't pretty. You know, it just wasn't Jeez. pretty. So I, I've been there, brother. Yeah, just hang in there, man. Hang in there. I appreciate thing, that, man. One one thing, Officer Black, that that um that I've been aiming to do all night, uh, and without even saying it, was connect the streets. Uh, to the brutality, the brutality that's, that we see. And this is just one segment of it, and I'm glad we reached to that point. And that is how does an officer uh, go out into the street and where does that aggression come from when he's treating the citizen badly? And without saying, I think you stated uh, in so many words that it starts at home. Or it could, oh, yeah. it could start Absolutely. at home. So yeah. that's what I was my next question to you. Um, does a lot of the aggression that you know your fellow officers do they do they take that from being human, the human side of them, being a father, being a husband, uh, being a, trying to be a Christian and uphold the law? Do that does that spill over into the job when they get to work and on the site? Um. I think let's see. You mean in, in, in terms of how they treat the citizens? Yeah, could that be one of the problems in how they treat the citizens so badly? Or some 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 officers, not all of them. Yeah, I I think I I just think, I think it depends on the officer. Um I know that when I'm when I'm going through things at my house, um that doesn't really affect me. In terms of how well, I you deal said, with, well, you stated you had the ability to say, "Okay, I'm a, when I leave here, draw the line. I'm sorry, it's over with." But a lot of people don't have that ability. To go from uh, extreme hate. A lot of people don't have that uh, that ability to do that. And you got it, it takes a special person to be able to separate the two when it's time to go to work. Because I know I work in the computers, and if my wife made me mad at work. I mean, at home, when I go to work, I don't want to talk to anybody. But yeah, you're in a well, yeah. Uh, now, nah, I, hey, I, I will. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, w- I will say that. Um, now, if things are going on between myself and my wife, I'm probably. <laughs> I think somebody might be asleep. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. I was going to say, I'm probably a little less talkative at work um, if something's going on between myself and my wife. But I don't necessarily like if I'm if I'm if I'm having to handle a um, a, a police situation like a call for service or something like that. I don't even 
I don't even think about what's going on at home. I just kind of focus on what the problem is at hand, you know, because you just at that point you're you're on auto, you're on autopilot, kind of doing what you're trained to do. Um, but I have seen um, with where people have, well, certain officers don't have these happy lives, you know. Like I go home to my wife and my kids. You got some officers that go home to an empty house or to a bottle. Mm-hmm you know, or just unhappy in their personal lives. And then when they get to work, they're unhappy. So you just have an unhappy guy walking around. He's just unhappy. And I think in situations like that, um, then that's when you that's when you can get into an officer possibly mistreating citizens. Have you ever like, seen... It's almost like um, a ticking time ahead. bomb. I would just say, like, I was just going to reference a, tick, a ticking time bomb. So now, as I asked uh, Officer uh, uh, Lieutenant Andrews, um, have you ever experienced um, any interracial stuff on the job? Where um, you know you from? You said you you from DC. You grew up in you grew up in DC, and you you police in DC. Yes. And a lot of officers that work with you, they're not from that place, or they don't have any uh, interest in that place. They just go to work. Right. So you have a code of ethics with your brother in in blue, but have you ever been on a case where or on a call where you see your brother in blue mistreating a citizen? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so what side do you stand on when that happens? Well, I think it depends on how egregious the offense is. I mean, if it if it's just like some, you know, talking, if it's just like talking or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, um, but if it's like something like criminal, then you know obviously I have to I have to stand on the side of what's right. You know, if I see you, if I'm if I see you physically assault somebody, you know, or you know do something crazy like that, then then I'm basically gonna have to write against you. But if you are just talking down to somebody, and that person gets upset and tries to fight you. Even though I know you're wrong for talking down to them and, or or um or starting to fight, like I have to fight with you. You know what I mean? Um, but okay, like, that, that 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 seems yeah. that seems noble. But officer, officer um Andrew said um that you know you don't really snitch on your brothers in blue, or you try to stay away from that unless you're in internals of or internal affairs, and right. you know you kind of got to do that, but. Um, so if you see something wrong, you would you, you would just go ahead and let him know, or you would just tell the force, or you know, if you say one thing about what happened, would you change your story to fit his, or would you just kind of like, nah, that ain't what happened? Well, I, I, that that can be sticky, man. Yeah, that you're never gonna sticky. lie, Darren. You're never gonna <laughs> lie about something you yeah, saw. And that you're gonna lose your job if you do that. And I, you know, and you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be careful here. You know, you're right. We, I talked about that thin blue line, and you know, you're, uh, like I mean, I think Officer Black did a good job uh, explaining. You know, if somebody maybe uh, says something disrespectful to someone, a police officer. Well, later mm-hmm. I could say, hey, you know what? You might want to tone down. Uh, you know, that yeah. probably could have gone a lot better. But uh, you know, if somebody's doing something egregious or or criminal, 
Hey, I'm going to step up. I'm I'm not keeping that to myself. I, you know, I'm not going down with the ship. Yeah. I'm I, I'm siding with the agency and what I know is right. And and I, you know, I've I've actually had to do it before I was even in internal affairs. I reported mm-hmm. a guy for something I saw was wrong, and he they did a an, an investigation determined exactly what I said was true, and he was let go. And uh, that's yeah. not my fault. That's his so fault for putting a, himself in that situation. So you and and then he can put... Go ahead. I was going to say that I would never let an officer put me in a situation where, like, let's say if you saw an officer assault somebody, beat him up, you know, punch him in the face, something like that, you can't just not say nothing. Amen. You know, that's just, yeah, you just, <laughs> that's just too, no, that that's just wrong. You know, but let's say, let's say you you observed an officer call a citizen a name or something like that. You know, okay. called him the N word or cracker or something like that, whatever. And then that right. person attacked the officer. Then mm-hmm. that means I have to, I have to defend the officer. I have to be like, I have to probably arrest the suspect for assaulting the officer, even though the officer started it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I would I would pull that officer to the side and be like, man, you know, don't ever say anything like that in front of me again. I mean, I, you know, that was totally disrespectful. It was wrong, you know, and that you know, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah so and I, and in that, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, Darren. But I, I was in that situation. Officer Black just shared. I'd say, and if I get pulled into internal affairs and asked about it, I ain't lying. I'm telling him exactly nah, what you nah. said. <laughs> nope. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I got out of narcotics because there was, um, you know, in the in the inner city, there are housing projects everywhere, you know, and, and um, the people they sell drugs and the kids sell drugs and the drugs are inside of the homes and it's just a sad situation. And I and I I grew up in that. I mean, I didn't grow up in a housing project, but they were all around me. Like all of my friends lived in housing projects. Like my parents. I had my mom and my dad, and they both worked, and we had a house, and, you know, it was different. But all of my friends that were on my teams and went to my schools, that's where they came from. So when I became a police officer, for some reason I gravitated toward, you know, narcotics and everything because I I just – there was just stuff that I knew. And then there Mm -hmm. were were, um, – I just – I spoke the language, you know, and and I, I could get people to give me all kinds of information you know, just because, and my my whole angle was, my whole angle was um, um, getting guns off the street. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't care about drugs because people are going to use drugs. You're never going to really, really stop drugs. But guns, let's get these guns off the street that's killing our kids. And I would be able to speak to people and get guns and tell them, get them to tell me where guns were and who get had guns and stuff like that. But that's just kind of me being able to speak the language now my 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 um co-workers didn't speak the language and they looked at these people like these people or those people or you know you piece of trash or you live in a crack house and you know that kind of stuff you know and and my thing is like at the end of the day like they're people like the, the that's the first level of respect we're all people we're all human beings and you're not better than them just because mm-hmm. this is their living situation. 
And um, I witnessed time after time, like, you know, people, you know, officers saying crazy stuff on scene, you know, to, to the to the citizens, you know, and they were in these and they were almost incite riots, you know, just because of what they what they're what they've said, you know, and and now, um, the, uh, these, and I, um, uh, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. Now I was going to ask you, is there the uh, are the white officers that it ma- well, it does matter because this is what matters to the public. Are they white officers talking to black citizens actually, or vice versa? It was it was it was both actually. I mean, you had black officers saying you know crazy stuff, and you had white officers saying crazy stuff. You know. Um, oh wow. So I, I think it's you know when when you're an officer, it's easy to find yourself in a position to look down on somebody. You know, because I mean, right. look at it. By the time we end up with somebody, they're down and out. You know, they're in a, they're in a rough situation. They're going to jail or. You know, they've been hurt or robbed or, you know, they need our help. So by the time we get there, things are out of order, you know. I mean So what are you what is your opinion about what is your opinion about all these um these these camera phones that's um presenting the showing the uh, police officer shooting the innocent or seem to be innocent victim on the ground and the the police officer is one color and the person that's on the ground is another color and they try to say that it's um it's a it's a racial Issue. What, what what is your position on that, or is this something we're not seeing that the cameras are showing us or not showing us? I honestly, honestly, I believe there's a lot that's not being seen. I mean, I've been on the scene of shootings where um, suspects' weapons have been taken off the scene by citizens. You know, so um, you might have you might have a white um, officer. Um, shoot at a black kid, but number one, I mean, the white officer, he's working in a, a neighborhood where they're all black people, you know. Um, now, um, have there ever been situations where there's a, a white cop doing things in a black neighborhood that are um, inappropriate? Yes. But my thing is, if you pull a, a gun on any cop and yeah. they ask you to 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 you know drop the weapon, and you don't. I don't care if that cop is black, white, <laughs> or purple. That cop right, is going right. to discharge his weapon. And and same with me. I'm I can work in an all black neighborhood. If you pull a gun on me, I want to go home to my family. You know right. you like you. I have to I have to shoot you. I mean because I'm not going to let you you know kill me. That's you know? right. So I don't I don't think it's a matter of race. And I think what happens is. Um, the evidence isn't being the evidence and the information isn't being um leaked to the media i mean the the stories are being spent you know mm-hmm. um and then i I look at you know um the relationship the relationships between blacks and whites and in these inner city communities it's 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 a poor relationship you know what i mean because let's say you get an officer from Missouri or something like that, or somewhere in Midwest or something. I don't, I don't know. And you put him mm-hmm. in an inner city neighborhood in D.C. Now this officer doesn't know anything about all of these black people that he is around every day for eight hours, and maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't even he he may or may not even want to know. You know, to to him this is his job. He's just doing his eight and wants to go home. But if you put a black officer there that's from the city, and that 
I don't know, maybe has a little bit more of a connection with the people, it'll be a totally different it'll be a totally different interaction. And the the black officer might talk different than the white officer. Or the or the citizens may respect the officers different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean, I don't know. It's just it's just about it's about relationship. You yep. know. Um it's it's totally about relationship because I've had white officers in black neighborhoods, and they've had good relationships. So I mean, it's 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 hard to say black, white, all or none. It's it's, it's it has to be based on a case by case um, um, situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it has to. I mean, I I will say that you know, in police academies all over the country, I feel like there needs to, instead of you know the, uh, law. Um, and codes and general orders and all that stuff being pumped out. I think that um, race, like race training and relationship training and, like, Mm -hmm. um, communication training has to be, you know, put out there a little bit more. I mean, cops talk about verbal judo all the time. The way you talk to somebody, the way you talk to anybody when you're in that uniform, it needs to be, it needs to be appropriate. You know, it mm-hmm. needs to be like <laughs> it needs to be in order. You know, now granted, right. people are gonna mf you and and you know they're gonna not comply and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel like you know if if you're speaking to somebody respectfully, then that's what that's what you, that's what you're gonna be on camera doing when those people pull out their video phones. You're gonna be on camera doing mm-hmm. that. So I mean, somebody's gonna see it. You know. Right, right. If you're if you're MF and people and 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 people, because the thing about a, a cop is you work in the same neighborhood every day. Those people know you, and you get a you 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 build a reputation. You know, so if you got a reputation mm-hmm. as a, of a nasty cop, and you get into a shooting in that neighborhood, then hey, all heck's gonna break loose. But if you're okay. a respectful cop, and these people know you to be a respectful cop, and you know. And you get into a shooting, it's going to be different. It might be a different spin. So, well, I mean that—that's my take on it. It's just about race. It's about race and it's about relationship, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Anybody else got anything? Go ahead. Anybody uh, else got anything? Nah, just well, good words, man. Good words. Yeah, it's 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 midnight, and we usually go into open mic at this point. But tonight, I really wanted to bridge the gap between what we don't understand from what we see on these. I'm not gonna call them fake videos because things do happen, but um, but what we see to 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 actually bring you in the house of a of a police officer that really goes through a lot of these things um, that we don't understand. And really normalize and and humanize uh, these guys because they're men before they're police officers. They're men before they're a person with a gun in their hand, and they're men before they're someone that's trying to just throw you in jail. So um, I just wanted to get a lighter side. I wanted to get inside of their homes. I wanted to get inside of their minds. I wanted to to just let folks know what go, what they go through, so they won't see them as uh, as my daughter said, that's not a person, you know, that, that really that really bothered me when she said that. 
and um, and I didn't want her to that generation of people. She's 16 years old. I don't want that generation because that's our future. I don't want that generation being afraid of the authority when they when the first person they call when they in need. I want them to be able to trust our authorities and um, be able to uh, trust that they're going to come for their best interest and not their worst interest. So Amen. if we could flip it over to, to Open Mic. Um, open Mic is where we just talk about anything and talk about the show, and you can speak freely about anything, football games or whatnot. So go ahead and flip us over. Darren, thanks very much for your time. I'm going to get going. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 